Hey, hey, Job. No. <laughs> Was that a no? No. Oh. Now go ahead. What's up? I don't want to say anything now. <laughs> go ahead. What's up? I'm at the bottom of a pit now because Jusby pushed oh, me down into it. Jesus. Go ahead. What's by up? By being rude. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Please. <laughs> I'll record it. <laughs> All right, so I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching uh, Clone Wars, which uh, I tried to get into. Wait, God, we were probably still watching Halloween at the time, uh, and I and I kind of just fell off of watching it and uh, forgot everything that I had seen. So I started it again, and uh, the reason I even decided to watch Clone Wars is I liked Mandalorian, and there's a thing that happens at the end of that without going into spoilers that I was like. Fuck's that? And I Wikipedia'd it, and I was like, oh, "Oh, that that seems to have a lot of lore behind that thing." Uh, I'm just gonna watch all the Clone Wars and Rebels, and then get caught up. Okay, for a brief second, I thought you just mispronounced Wikipedia, but no, I forgot. No, a thing called Wikipedia. Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Yeah, there's an entry for breasts on that. Fucking great. It's an entry for the jazz music in Star Wars known as jizz, jizz music yes. on that. Jizz. Anyway, Very as stupid good. as Star Wars can be, um, I'm really enjoying Clone Wars. I'm maybe like 40 episodes in. I'm really liking it. I'm surprised how much I'm liking it because, God, if you would have talked to me, like even just in December, uh, I would have been like, fuck Star Wars, man. <laughs> Oh, I'm sick of that shit. But then the Mandalorian kind of like made me go like, all right, maybe it was just episode nine. It doesn't have to be every single aspect of this universe. There can be good things. And with my faith somewhat restored by Jon Favreau and Taika Waititi, um, I decided to give uh, Clone Wars a shot because it seems like that lore and all that shit is actually maybe going to matter. In, in the future with the Mandalorian. Uh, I recommend it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to do so because I'm watching it in chronological order, which is complicated. Yeah. Especially early on. The further you get into the series, the less complicated it gets, and that's a good thing. I think by the time you hit... Season four, five, and six, those seasons just kind of happen in order. Maybe there's one flashback episode, but like one flashback episode you got to watch before the others is no big deal compared to like how the series starts. Right. Which is just madness. With season two, episode 16. And you're just like, huh? Excuse me? And it's a bit of an uphill battle because those first couple episodes and the movie uh, aren't as good. And, and kind of, like, lead you to think, maybe I've made a grave mistake. But uh, after just, that, it gets pretty solid. I'm just curious. So those, like, are those first couple episodes in that movie actually integral to the, to the plot of the whole fucking thing? No. Uh, well, I, you know, oddly enough, the cool thing about Clone Wars that I'm realizing, uh, I do want to watch every single episode, and I do want to keep the timeline in my head, because I like doing that. But you could probably just look up what arcs and episodes are good. And then just watch them, because if you've watched the movies, you know you know the setup, the gist of it. But right. the cool thing that you might miss out on a little bit 
is large scale character development, which is actually present here. Okay. And that's kind of the key thing I wanted to talk about. Like for Anakin? Anakin, Obi-Wan, and, and basically Padme. Every single character from the prequels that fell flat because they were the prequels is way better in Clone Wars and has so much to do and a lot of development that can take place and make them much more believable in that time period of the canon. Except Jar Jar. You'll never be good. You can't fix Jar Jar. I, I'm sorry. I, I feel slightly bad because I know they were trying their best and, and they succeeded with everyone except Jar Jar, but I don't think you can fix Jar Jar and they probably should have just left well enough alone. Um, I was reminded of that today because I saw a tweet from Jar Jar himself, uh, the actor Ahmed Best. Yeah. And uh, someone reached out to him on Twitter and said, I'm watching that one episode of The Clone Wars where Ahmed Best doesn't voice Jar Jar and it just feels wrong. And Ahmed Best tweeted, I appreciate your comment. That was at a time where doing Jar Jar was very painful for me. Thankfully, my good brother Phil Lamar held down the role until I was able to return. Love you, Phil Lamar. Thanks for being a great friend. Uh, Phil Lamar's great. He was Green Lantern in Justice League. He is Samurai Jack. Right. He's a lot of things. He does not do a good Jar Jar <laughs> at all. I'm surprised they had him do it at all. Uh, but I was reminded of that, and I was reminded of like how like shitty it probably had to be for Ahmed Best that like everybody hates Jar Jar, and therefore, by proxy, way too many fans hate Ahmed Best, which I think is the wrong take. It's not his on fault. It. He's just an no, like, certainly not. He just he just got hired to voice act that character. It's not like he he's the reason why that character is written bad or exists at all. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree, and I think. Um, we tend to make fun a lot on this show where we watch bad crap constantly. Uh, and, and sometimes I, I do blame certain people for, for more because, like, you know, maybe they are assholes in real life, like the dude who played Leatherface. Right. Uh, in the remake, in the remake specifically. Sorry. Gunnar Hansen seemed cool. But, yeah, this was definitely a case where he didn't deserve that shit, and that sucks. Um but be that as it may, while I can respect that man and what he went through, the Jar Jar episodes are tough ones to get through, and I can't recommend those. But there's this character, and his name is Bane, and he's fucking cool. Bane is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Not in the movie we watched for this episode. We'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, We'll this get is a, there. So I, I question why they named him this. I think it's an old leftover George Lucas name because the character's name is Cad Bane, which is a shit name. Uh, <laughs> particularly because there's already a Bane in the Star Wars universe, but that's a whole other story. Uh, and also, I can't think of anything else besides CIA from Dark Knight Rises Ooh. going Bane when I hear the word Bane. But then that character is actually like really fucking cool and is like well-utilized Boba Fett if he actually got a chance to do all kinds of badass shit. And I'm, I've opened my eyes to the potential of this series and I'm really curious to see more. And I'll, uh, I'll report back occasionally. 
I'm in season two now, although that doesn't mean shit because I'm probably going to bounce into season three and four with the timeline going the way it does. God. But it's made sense for the most part. I think you're probably fine if you watch it in order or in chronological order because there's an announcer voice at the beginning of every episode, kind of like an opening crawl. It's their version of an opening crawl that tells you the backstory for the situation. And there's some episodes where you didn't miss a thing where you feel like you might have, because it's like Anakin and Obi-Wan are on this planet. And you're like, no, they aren't. I just watched an episode where they're not. And it's like, no, there had to be an imaginary time that passed, I guess. Um, those intros are weird, by the way, because it's like this overexcited, like, general voice going like, you know, war marches for the Republic. The Separatists' grasp is has reached the planet Ryloth or something like that. Uh, but what it ends up feeling like and what is interesting is propaganda. Oh, Which so that is was the, neat. Maybe that was the intent. Uh, I think so. I didn't. It took me a while to get that because it be, it's becoming clearer to me the further I get into this that uh, this is going to probably present the conflict in an interesting way because there are villains and heroes on the bad guy's side at the same time because there was just massive manipulation going on. And that could actually be incredibly interesting knowing how everything works out. Yeah. And, like, God, it's such a cool opportunity to correct some of the wrongs of the prequels because the ideas there are so solid. But the execution is shit. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really into it so far. That's all I wanted to say. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a podcast where uh, Genhart says he likes a thing, and Justin's like, "Yeah," then drops his vape, uh-huh. and then uh, burps, uh. and then he says, "I like this thing," and I go, "Okay," and I drink a Mountain Dew, uh-huh. and uh, that's basically how this goes, and I'm all right with it. It's all right. I would have done it anyway. Even if there wasn't a microphone in front of me. <laughs> God damn it. I fucking I was making a joke, but then he's actually doing it. What's even making you burp, you piece of shit? I just had steak. Okay, that would, that would probably do it. Fuck. God. Get off of me, Dad. I'm gonna... Jesus Christ. What's that? <laughs> Mountain Dew Junior Junior. Mountain Dew the third. Mountain Dew the third. We discussed this already actually. And and I didn't bring it up. But I will. Fuck it. Uh I on a previous podcast I joked that Diet Mountain Dew should be renamed Mountain Dew Junior. Uh-huh. And if they made a diet diet Mountain Dew, that should be Mountain Dew the third. And I just said that as if that wasn't going to exist, but now it kind of does because they made Mountain Dew Zero Sugar, which has less calories than Diet Mountain Dew, so it's kind of like Diet Diet Mountain Dew. So Mountain Dew the Third exists now. Also has infinitely more caffeine. 
yes. It's it's a solid drink. I appreciate it. Makes me stay awake while watching Batman and Robin. Hey. Batman Forever. Uh-huh. Catwoman. Uh-huh. Batman v Superman. Hey. Justice League. Uh-huh. I, I, am I forgetting any other bad ones we're going to watch? Oh, Batman v Superman? I said that one. Oh, I thought you just said Justice League. Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Yeah. everybody welcome to the Gen and Jub show that's Gen. hi i'm Jub. that's that's uh that's uh welcome to the show yep <laughs> <laughs> thanks th- thanks for the emotional support to say it yep well you know i appreciate it it helps me get through the day welcome to episode 69 of our podcast nice it's that's a very nice. special episode because we're watching one of the most legendary uh, films ever made, Batman and Robin, Ugh. from 1997, Ugh. a glorious piece of shit that transcends logic and space-time uh, that I truly, actually cannot wait to talk about. How? Who? <laughs> I just, who was like, who saw a Batman costume from like all mm-hmm. the other movies and mm-hmm. like, just want to put nipples on it. Joel Schumacher did that. Why did he do that? No, because Joel Schumacher did that, though. Like, as a gag? Do you actually want to know why, or do you want to save it for I later? Because I, I know why. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm amazed he actually The info why. is out there. That's amazing. He didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. He didn't think people were going to notice that much. Dude, the, the costume is <laughs> black, and the nipples are silver. How would you um, not notice? In what fucking universe does that just stand out to you? It zooms in on the chest where the fucking nipples are. It does zoom in on the nipples and the butt, the molded butt. Oh, Um, God. Of all three of our protagonists. Look, I'll just say what it was now because you asked me. All right, go ahead. Uh, He wanted them to resemble, like, Greek anatomically correct statues, like, of, like, peak male physique forms. Do you know what I mean? Like, because, like, Batman and Robin are like <laughs> Greek gods as the superheroes was the idea. And that would that plays into the theme of, uh, like, there's statues all over Gotham and stuff like that. Like, they're part of it, too, I think was the intent. But then Schumacher got a lot of shit for it, obviously, and then a lot of accusations thrown at him that he did it because he was gay, which I think is unfair. That's dumb. Um, especially when, like... Uh, no one questioned all the decisions to put females in skimpy outfits in uh, several movies over the years. Right. Wow, you're just doing that because you're straight. Yeah. <laughs> Schumacher should have just been like, yeah, I don't know what. Gay people deserve to be able to look at George Clooney's butt if they want to in a Batman suit. Whatever. I think it was a bad look, but he, I th- I do think they freaked out too much about it. It's something that you laugh at and move on. Speaking of laughing at it and moving on. 
whatever. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Peggle two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go talk about what you're playing because I know you've been playing Peggle two. <laughs> it's a game where you shoot balls at uh, other balls. It's bl- usually, mostly blocks mm-hmm. and some balls. There's balls and blocks. Shoot ball at them. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to hit all the orange ones. Blue ones are just in the way. But sometimes you want to get all of them. But then sometimes you want to get less. Uh, because there's restrictions based on what the goal of the level is. Uh, it's a fun game, actually. I you're, bought it for super fucking cheap, and it was worth it. Did you, you ever play First Peggle? No. Is it like this one? Sort of, yeah. Mostly. Yeah, I bet. But there's a, there's a couple new things to it that caught me off guard when I was watching you play it. But for the well, you most have like part, a character you choose that gives you a special power. Was that part of Peggle one? Uh, no, not, not if I remember correctly. Okay. There's no like characters or anything like that. It's, uh, let me show you footage of Peggle 1. Yeah, I could just go to my computer and do this, but I'm on my phone. <laughs> my, my computer is literally... Bro, you got games on your phone? What's on that phone? Oh my god, a fucking ad's playing, dude. What the fuck? What the fuck? Here, buddy, see, look, it's almost quite literally the same thing. Here's Peggle 1. It's, 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 like, there's a, it's mostly the same exact game. Oh, okay, it just your characters up things. at the top. Oh, it turned into something else, Jusby. Oh, let me see. <laughs> uh, it's It switched to a clip from Parodius real quick and then went back to Peggle 1. This is a Peggle speedrun. Yeah, go back a little bit. Oh, wait. Do you see what I'm talking about here? <laughs> you found a weird video, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in that. Are you aware of Parodius? Yeah. It's like a uh, life force uh, shooter game. A spaceship shooter game, but like everything is fucking weird as shit and super Japanese. Uh, that game is interesting. I fucking. I don't know why that footage of Pagel One switched to it, but anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I've I've played a couple games. Uh, we haven't really talked about what we've been currently playing or watching that much because we did all those uh, end of decade lists that consumed large amounts of the podcast. Yes. But uh, I played. I'm playing Pagel Two. It's all right. I'm still playing Crash Team Racing because, of course, I am. Uh-huh. Uh, they won't stop making seasons every month. Oh God, why? This is this is the life that you're subject. But to. the new one's really good. I can't complain. They only added one new character, which means that you can afford to buy other stuff in the store for once. That's good. I always got bogged down by having to buy. Make sure I bought the new characters before they weren't available. Right. They have made previous season's content available in the store, which is good. I didn't know for sure if that was going to be a thing or not. Didn't know if it was just going to go away forever or not. In the Fortnite store? Yeah, that stuff. uh, Does Fortnite's content just go away forever if you don't buy it during the season? Okay, so thankfully Crash Team Racing isn't like that, because that sounds stupid as shit. It goes on, like, like, there's other items in the shop that just kind of go on a rotation, too. Okay. So sometimes older stuff will pop up. That's how the Crash Team Racing store yeah, works. Yeah, it's the Fortnite store. Same thing. Apex store runs the same way, yeah, too. Yeah, it's fairly common now. Um, so I'm not convinced that Crash Team Racing is going to die. 
Uh, it may just have less characters as it goes on. Yeah, just do less content as it goes on. Yeah, makes I mean, sense. Like last season, they had five new characters you could buy, and that was like quite a lot to get. Um, this one only had one, so that worked. And you unlock them from just doing shit. You didn't have to buy them. Uh, I played a game that is called uh, Late Shift. That it's an FMV game. Oh, you play Late Shift? That I'd like to talk about briefly. Have you played Late Shift? Um, yes. Okay. Uh, if I remember, if it's the game I'm thinking of, I played it at PAX. Okay. Is it the game where you're, uh, go ahead and start explaining it and make sure. What's well, an FMV game? Right, I know that. So, live action, you play as, like, a dude who is, like, a parking lot attendant, and then, uh, something happens and he gets, like, in the middle of a, of a heist. Yeah, okay. And yeah, is I know forced to is. be in the heist. Um, and so... It's really simple. It's like watching a movie. It's kind of like uh, it's less a game and more like watching like the fucking Black Mirror movie on Netflix. Yeah, where I mean, you do have like t- a time limit to make the choices, uh, and you just have to make like little tiny choices. Uh, now, I was under the impression upon initially starting it to treat it like a Telltale game and just be like, oh, okay, well, you know, whatever ending I get, I get. And then I'll just play it again at some point. But then, like, in order to plat it, you have to get all seven endings. But really how it is, is it's more like, honestly, something that's less of there's seven endings and more like there's one ending and a bunch of, like, game overs Mm. is what it feels like more. Okay. Because a lot of the endings are just, like, you fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) or like you fucking probably go to prison forever or like you fucking lose (laughs) like but you have to basically make the correct decisions to get to the ending where you don't die and you succeed without going into the plot or anything like that right uh that's more what you have to do which is interesting but not necessarily how i thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be, hey, whatever, just make whatever choices are cool with you, and then you'll get an ending, and it'll be good or bad, like a Telltale game is. Uh, although Telltale is even less than that, somewhat, because you'll just get a okay ending that they designed to be the ending no matter what in Telltale, a uh-huh. little bit. Yeah. Uh, this is totally not like that, and, and you shouldn't feel bad for getting a bad ending the first time you play, because you will. Like, you're going to fail the thing at first. Uh, and I enjoyed, uh, like, going back. At a certain point, I reached a point where, like, I looked it up. And I could have got four endings from this point where I was at. So I just kept reloading and replaying. Yeah. And uh, just got all the endings real quick and got the plat. And uh, that game is uh, that game is all right. It's not perfect. There's some wonky acting. <laughs> and then there's some good acting. The wonky acting sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> but what can you do? Um, so I bought that in a pack with two other FMV games that I'm going to play soon. And Late Shift is the one that has critical acclaim. And the other two, not 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 so much. <laughs> what are they? Um, Might have heard of them. Uh, the, the Bunker... 
is one of them. Mm, I think I know what and that one is. And then there's one that's like, I forget, it's like, it's not the Imaginarium, but it's like some some weird word like that of Dr. Delirium or something like that. I have no idea what that one is. That one is supposedly like, like has like maybe not point and click elements, but it's more of like a puzzle game. Okay. Than a full FMV watching a movie experience from what I understand. But it does rely on live action. <coughs> uh, that one sounds somewhat interesting because apparently it has a uh, mechanic where you can ask people questions. Like, I think you're like trying to solve a mystery and you have like witnesses or prisoners. I don't know necessarily how it works or maybe patients. Maybe you're the doctor. I don't fucking know. I'll let you know when I know, <laughs> but you can ask them questions. It sounds like, and you can choose from a list or type in a question and you can see if they react to it. That is an unprompted, like you came up with the question thing. You typed it out fully. Uh, and that sounds interesting, but also possibly like it won't work <laughs> unless you type in something very specific. And I hope it's not case sensitive because that would be really funny if you just type in the thing that the guide tells you to put in. If I'm if I have to get like desperate to find it and then it doesn't work. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm going to play those games. Uh, I, I bought like some stuff around Christmas that I'm excited to get into. And I'm still doing Arkham Knight, which uh, is good, but I'm playing it super slowly because um, I can only Fine, take your time with it. Do Fuck Riddler it. stuff for so long after doing so much of it. Yeah, that just like, in Arkham City. Like I got I got really burned out with it in Arkham City, so I've been doing it way slower in this one. <sighs> Other than that, I watched a shitload of movies. But I can't necessarily talk about them with you because you haven't seen them. Uh, I watched Parasite. Yeah. And let me tell you, if I had watched Parasite before I did my movies list... Be on there? Something getting kicked off. <laughs> something getting kicked off. Uh, oh, well. What can you do? What are you gonna do? You got Nothing you gonna do. You can't. You're done. What have you been playing? Smash Brothers? Yeah, so... New character. New, new Smash Brothers character came out the day before started recording this. This will be out, like, on Friday, but on we're recording this on a Wednesday. Violet dropped on Tuesday. And as soon as I could, start playing as them. And amongst this new patch, too, uh, a lot of big balance changes to Smash Brothers. A lot of really good things. And I think... Uh, I mean, Byleth is interesting, and I'll, t I'll talk more about them in a second. But I, I want to talk about some of this stuff. You know, it might not be too big of a deal to some people who just play Smash Brothers for fun or whatever. But I think uh, Nintendo did a really good job with a balance patch for once in this game. And I'm, like, really happy about it. And I think it's the most important part of this new patch. Now, they spent a lot of time buffing... A lot of the characters that needed it. Okay. Which is awesome. There's They still haven't buffed all the characters who need it, but there's also like 70 characters in this game. So I understand. I think it's just a fact of life that Smash Ultimate will be unbalanced. It's actually fairly balanced. As far as like, yeah. there's no like... But there's going to be an outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no like one character that's too good. Is there one character that's too bad? Yes. Who's that? Uh, King K. Rool. 
Oh, fuck. He's terrible. Oh, that's sad. He's, I liked how he played. And, and, and Little Mac, again, is still not that great. That's funny. But, <laughs> it's funny that it's still the case. Well, uh, Little Mac has a, an issue with his overall design. Okay, uh, Super Smash Brothers is a, is a fighting platformer game. And then you put a character in it that can't platform. It's true. Um, I still like Little Mac in that game. Little Mac's fun still. That's the thing. None of these characters aren't fun. And... That's the thing I like about Smash. You can still win with any character in this game. It does not matter. I promise. You talk about all the talk about tier lists and shit like that. Even as somebody who plays it competitively myself, it doesn't fucking matter. I play a low tier character in my tournaments, and I do better than a lot of people who play the best characters in the game. It doesn't matter. That goes that way with every fighting game. It's hard to... Sometimes you will run into a scenario in a game where a character is so bad they won't they will never be able to do anything. Yeah. But that very rarely happens. If you have an even a halfway competent developer making a fighting game, it's hard to fuck it up that bad. Where a character's practically unusable, you know? You can win with any character. And I think Smash Brothers exemplifies that even more. Because it's something I always appreciated about it. Yeah. But anyway, um they made major changes to Samus. Which makes me happy. Uh, she can kill people now. Hey! Something she had a trouble, a lot of trouble with doing before. Made it so her uh, her up throw kills people way easier, and her down smash kills people way easier, which is very needed. Um, her zare, as we call it, which is when you use when you grab while you're in the air. Okay. Samus, you know, Samus has that grapple beam, and she uses to grab people. Yes. You do in the air, she just kind of shoots it forward. Okay. Uh, they made it so that actually does damage and knocks people back well. Huh. It's really cool. It's a really nice zoning tool. It doesn't just grab now. I mean, it, it does. It, it never grabbed in the air. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, when I say Zare, I mean, you're in the air, and you're using that grab. It worked that yes. way before, but it was, like, completely insignificant and didn't do anything. Really. Okay. It just did, like, a percent of damage. And it didn't <coughs> knock them back at all. Okay. Now this does like five, six percent damage, and it knocks them back. Oh, that's good. Okay. So you can you can really use it to keep people the fuck away from you, which is what you want to do when you're Samus. I mean, big big uh, big buffs to Link and Young Link. They extended the length of the the, ch- the grapple chain, the hook shot, for both of them, which is sick. That's really good. Help them out a lot because the 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 hook shot used to be like. Nothing in length. You couldn't do shit with it. And now you, you can grab people from a good distance. Cool. Which is cool for them. Uh, big buffs to Zelda, a character that desperately needed it. One of the worst characters in the game before this patch. Which <laughs> is unfortunate. Terrible. terrible. Oh, well, what you going to do? Yeah. And it, it kind of goes you know, on, on like that for a couple more characters. Um, Ryu and Ken got some nasty shit. Okay. Where you can cancel... So that there's a few moves in the game with Ryu and Ken that you could you could cancel into a special move. They did it with their down smash now. They're just like, ah, oh, you can do it with down smash now too. And the thing about down smash is you could cancel it very early. Huh. So I watched a guy do this combo on somebody where he came down with a, with a down air. Really like he does that downward punch and he punched the shield. And then landed on the ground and immediately down smashed him. And as soon as the down smash connected with this dude's shield, he he just did a he did a, a, a tatsu and broke the dude's shield, flat out. Wow! Broke it. Three moves. That's cool as fuck. That's pretty fucked up. 
That's cool. <laughs> In a good way. Give me a help, because those characters were bad, too. So I think every character's bad. All true, of them. Including Byleth. Yeah. I don't think Bala's bad. Let's but. think about it in that terms. There's everyone's in D tier, equal, equal. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I should prefer a game where everybody's in A tier. That's what I want. Everybody's no S's, good. all A's. Yeah, I want that's everybody a cool to be good. Idea. And that, that's that's really what you want. Uh, the reason why I'm, I'm going to keep this a little short now. The reason why I like this patch so much is that it buffed a lot of characters, and with very very few nerfs. Okay. Which is what you want to see. A lot of you'll see a lot of companies get like way too nerf happy with the stuff that's good in the game, and it takes a lot of the fun away from like how the characters played, and you can't do that. That that shit sucks. Instead, what you should be doing is raising the other characters up. Make yeah. them match it. Make the game crazy. Go all out on it. Make everybody strong. It's more fun that way. It always feels worse when. A nerf happens, then yeah. a buff. Right. Buffs are fine. Buffs are you fun. can buff all day. It's fine. It's fun. Nerfs fuck over somebody somewhere. Right. No matter what. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable. Well, sometimes the character's too good, and you just have to nerf him. Did they nerf Hero? No. They haven't? They don't need to. Sick. Everybody was so fucking certain that they I were know. going to do that. It's they funny. didn't need to. Yeah, you know how many significant turn results Hero's gotten? Well, I guess it's none uh-huh. if you're saying it like that. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's none. Because Hero is a, is a luck character and a very slow character in a game where everybody's fast and does not have to rely on luck. So how's uh, how's the new character, yeah, Dante? Speaking of slow, now we can get into this. Dante from the Devil May Cry series <laughs> is excellent. They put all his weapons in. Oh, man. What a parallel universe. Wow. He can If he gets over 120%, he goes Devil Trigger. <laughs> it's really cool. He has nine different move sets. Uh-huh. It's fucking crazy, switch man. Styles. Oh man. You just press the neutral B button, you just switch his styles. Nah, but for real. How, how is Byleth? Byleth is really interesting. Uh I would say this is the Fire Emblem character in the game that most like exemplifies Fire Emblem and like shows off what it really is. In that you can use all the other all the weapons. And the other two MCs from Fire Emblem that were brought in this game do not do that. It's dumb. Krom and... Krom's, uh, it'd be, uh... It's Corin. Yeah. And Robin. Oh, the MCs. I got you. Yeah. What you mean. Not, like, actually named... Well, right. they're all named characters, but those were the characters that, like... Like, Byleth's the default name, and you can right. name them whatever, yeah. I assume. Okay. When you can do it with any character in the newer Fire Emblem games, you just give them whatever the fuck you want for a weapon, and then you could you could train them with that weapon. Okay. But, like, yeah, I understand giving those characters the default weapon that they come with, whatever. <sighs> this one, they're just like, yeah, hey, like, you have every weapon in Fire Emblem. You have, you don't have magic, but whatever. You, you got a big, big hammer, you got a sword, you got a bow. Uh-huh. Yeah. You got axe, sword, bow, and uh, spear. I do got to say, um, with the MC characters, I appreciate that they let you have... Male and female variants oh, of the great. character. Yeah. That's the best idea they've had for those. Mm-hmm. They're um, fantastic. I'm glad they do that. Yeah, for sure. Different voice actors both sound good. It's great. Yeah. They look good, too. Byleth is really strong. They can kill you incredibly early with the right moves, like back air or forward smash. 
Very, very strong moves. Forward smash is a spear. Like, they lunge the spear, like, forward, and it's a really, really good range on it. Um, it can kill somebody at, like, 70% of the ledge if you hit the tip. Okay. Which is nuts. Dang. Most characters can't do that to anybody, even with their, with, with a good smash. Can't do that. Balor can just do that. A bunch of other really strong moves, too. Um, the up B, recovery tool, good old, you know, she, uh, well, they whip, you know, whip upwards, and if you hit the ledge, you connect with it, and you can go back up on the ledge. Or you whip somebody else with that thing, oh. and it pulls you up towards them, and if, and then, then, then they kick down at the, at the opponent that they grapple with it. You do this to them while they're in the air, on the ground, whatever, right? If they're underneath 50%, and kind of kicks them to the side, and you can follow up with another move on them. If they're above 50%, it spikes them. Okay. So there's a scenario where if you're off stage, if huh. your opponent's off stage, and so are you, you can jump off when you're, while you're off stage, you can just up beam, him, hit him with the whip, and then just kick them down, and they get spiked, and they're dead. That's fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's hard to hit them with that, but... I, I would assume... You use air dodge. But... It's so cool. It's a good combo. It's a good, good combo starter when they're at low percent. You just hit somebody with it, and then you can like do that and follow it immediately up into a side beat, which is when they like swing that axe like in this big circular motion, and that does like thirty percent right there. Just easy two moves. Okay. Most of Bylet's moves are like that. They're they're strong moves, right? Good but they're range. slow as shit. Bylet is so fucking slow. Yeah. I think Bylet is slower than King DDD. Which is nuts. That shouldn't be how that is. That is nuts, man. No yeah. air mobility whatsoever. Um, King DDD had the slowest airspeed before. It might be Byleth now. Huh. Like that is slow. And the thing about Smash Ultimate is it's important to be able to move in the air. Um, but DDD has the advantage of having multiple jumps that lets him kind of get around style. better in the air. Let's yeah. him kind of get around a little better in the air, and Byleth does not have that. Mmm. Carrying all them weapons, it's heavy. Yeah, heavy as fuck, I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, bunch of really slow, good zoning moves, but uh, and really good up air. One of the best up airs in the entire fucking game, probably. But it's hard to follow somebody in the air when you are much slower than them. All right. Well, here, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Out of the five characters they did. Yes. For season one. Uh-huh. What's the best one to the worst one for you? For me personally or like in like a competitive scope? I guess for you personally. For I me, care more about uh, that. Okay. I'm pretty sure for competitive scope, Joker is number one yeah. out of those. Yeah. I mean, he sure. won a tournament, right? And the, the guy, the, there's one guy who plays Joker really well. His name's MK Leo. Yes. And he wins like every tournament. He's like the zero of this game. You know, zero wasn't Smash 4. He was like winning literally every tournament. Right. Leo is doing that right now. Okay. You know, he just lost the most recent tournament to Mars, who plays Zero Suit Samus. Oh, that was okay. Cool. That's, That's really cool. cool. I like Zero Suit Samus a lot. She's really good. It's an interesting moveset. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I, let me think. So, who would I put at the top? Terry for sure. Okay. Yeah, Terry's for the top of that. Terry's easy. That's my that's my personal favorite character of the whole. That's the one I play. Like I play Terry a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. My, so true to how the fighting game is. The presentation's perfect. He's so much fun. I had the most fun I've probably ever had with this game. Besides maybe on launch day, going around unlocking all the characters, which was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, 
me and my friends just sitting down and all playing like Terry mirrors against each other. And both of us are playing Terry on like the King of Fighters stage. And it, it's so fucking hype. Like the shit you end up landing on each other, but like fucking trying to squeeze in a Buster Wolf on somebody. So much fun. Absolutely loved it. Number two, probably Banjo. Sick. Good. Good decision. Fucking Good. love Banjo. It's amazing how true to everything he is. Uh, Sakurai puts so much care. In Sakurai into all and the team, of them, yeah, in but, every single one. Like, yeah, if you were a fan of that franchise that that Smash crossed over with, they did a perfect job. Yeah, with all of one. these characters, and I really hope that continues. It and will. I think it will. The, 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 Smash Brothers is now like a, basically a celebration of gaming, and they, this team will make sure that every single new character that comes out will be perfect. And they haven't let us down yet, and I don't think they ever will. Banjo's presentation is incredible. He's so much fun to play as. Uh, and hearing the dumb noises as he jumps and shit's great. <laughs> I love it. Good shit. Uh, number three, probably Joker then. Love Persona 5. Great game. Joker's fun. A uh, little too, like, the, the fast and light type for me. Just you personally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you got Hero and Byleth. Yeah. Hero 4, Byleth 5. Okay. So this is the worst out of the five. I think so, personally. At least for me. I still like Byleth. I like every character in Smash Ultimate. There's not one character that I don't like playing as. Okay. I will play as any character in the fucking roster. Even Lucario, who I, is probably the closest to me not liking the play because I just don't understand it. I'll still do it. That's fair. Uh, I don't play as Lucario often. I don't know. I could probably play as anyone. Like, I don't even know how to play as Daisy. But Daisy's the character who, while I was going through the classic modes, is everybody. Mm-hmm. Which I still haven't finished. I have to go back and do that. And I haven't yeah. done it as uh, some of the DLC characters. The DLC character classic modes are fun. Um, really I, I somehow 9.0'd classic mode as Daisy and like was not prepared for that to be the case. That's amazing. I was just kind of like, what? Because <laughs> I, I was thought that that was going to be impossible, but I was somehow able to beat Master Hand and Crazy Hand as Daisy without ever having much experience playing Daisy. Daisy's fucking awesome. I knew awesome. how Peach worked in general. I didn't know the differences that Pe- that Daisy brought to it. None. Is it none? None now. Is it actually there none? There used to be one difference. They took it away. What was the difference? Uh, it was something really stupid and minuscule. It was like a slightly more knockback off of turnips or something. Oh, I didn't and even use, I didn't use turnips to hit them. I just used whatever. Yeah, Peach and Daisy are the exact same. Okay. That's fine. Just personal preference. Yeah. Which one like seeing more? Doesn't matter. Yeah. I would be totally okay with them doing more echoes. Yeah. As long as they're separate from the six. Like, I feel like that'd be cool. Make them cheap. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, they're almost doing it anyway with these fucking me costumes that are better than a me costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they me... look more like the character. I need to talk about that a little. Oh, yeah, sure, but, dude. Damn. Uh, Cuphead? Yeah. Cuphead, though. Cuphead, though? 75 cents, dude. This is some fucking value, I think. I think the meat costumes are actually really good value. At 75 cents, you get a skin that makes it makes it look like this character of your choice. And it, they're really well made. They're, like, really well made. Well, some of them better than others. Because, like, if you buy the Altair one, you're still going to have your dumb me's face. 
It's not going to look like Altair. Well, you could make it look like Altair. You could try, I guess. But it's still going to look like a me version of Altair. Right. But, like, Cuphead and Sans look like Cuphead and Sans. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which is the crazy part. Big Man X one's really good, too. So they're 75 cents a piece. Yeah. Like they're super cheap. Uh, the Cuphead one's insane value because you, you, get the, you get the Cuphead costume, which is amazing. Looks great. And then and then you get the fucking Floral Fury song. Yeah, that's the big part that you. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I Same went with Sands coming with the Megalovania. Yeah. yeah, I went to go play with my friend online last night and I bought Cuphead, and I guess I just put on. I was waiting from the lobby and just put on Floral Fury, and I was like, "This is great." <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing a Smash Brothers listening to Cuphead song. Cuphead has such a good soundtrack. Oh, it's fucking great! It's incredible. When's that DLC come out? This year? Yeah. Okay. Sometime this year, though, no date has been given. Curious yet. what they're going to add. I'm also curious what that team does next, because clearly they know how to make a game like this, but they can do it with a different art style as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm really curious what they choose next. They don't have to stick to. The, I mean, like, chances are they'll probably make a Cuphead too, because like it was so fucking successful. Yeah. But I am. I I'd be curious to see if they could just do something completely different. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah. I want them to make a Metroidvania game. What if Cuphead 2 is a Metroidvania game? I would lose it. <laughs> that would be amazing. Gotta There's go, no way they'd be able to build that gotta big of a world. Gotta go through all the floors of hell. They wouldn't be able to build a world in that style. You know how long it took them just to make that level-based game in that That's style? That's true, but, I mean, there are run-and-gun levels, so it'd just be like if the game was all run-and-gun levels. Oh, no, nope. And then there's it. boss rooms that do the bosses. I don't want It's that like if game. you took all the maps in Cuphead and like mushed them together. Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? I uh, Now I'm thinking about it, I don't want that game. The running guns are the worst part of Cuphead. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> the bosses are the best part of Cuphead. Well, yeah, that's what they wanted to do anyway. But if you changed it from the ground up, it could maybe work. Maybe. I don't know. I just want to see a whole game in that art style that's like big and expansive. Be cool. But it, uh, I don't want to wish that on them either. Oh, God. Speaking of unique art styles, mm-hmm. there's a couple games I want to talk about that I didn't talk about over the previous month, and I really need to talk about them. At point and clicks, you've been playing with my brother? Mm-hmm. I know about the one. He explained the whole thing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like literally the worst thing I've ever heard in well, my entire life. all right. Let me explain the good one first. Uh, the Neverhood yeah. is sick. That game, nuts. Mm -hmm. It's claymation point-and-click. It's really wacky and cartoony, and it's very nonsensical. Uh, It's all about the world with that game and how it looks and the the insane soundtrack. (laughs) And And I don't mean, like, that it's bad, but, like, it is actually seems to be crafted by an insane person. Uh that game got a sequel, by the way, which is a platformer called Skull Monkeys on the PS1. Yeah. Which is also really good, but probably not my kind of game. But, like, watching people play it is really impressive because it's so cool looking. Uh, that game's great. Uh, the only bad thing about that game is it was uh, written and uh, the art style came from... Uh, the Earthworm Jim Man, who, like, I also like that a lot, but uh, that guy uh, sucks as a human. Yeah. 
Uh, so there's that. Um, so I guess pirate the neverhood is what I'm trying to say. Get him. <laughs> um, what can you do? Anyway, um, so the other game is the worst point-and-click ever made, and quite possibly one of the worst games in general ever made. And that's Hopkins FBI. Yep. This is honestly almost incredible with how terrible it was. Yeah. Like, my fucking God. Especially, it's even worse in a modern context. And that game was bad when it came yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's aged incredibly poorly because it has wanton violence and murder um, against women in particular yeah. in that game. Basically the entire time. I'm trying to see if I could find this thingy. Uh, that Josh found it out from. Well, maybe if I just type in Hopkins FBI. Give me one second. Yeah, okay, so Josh was following this uh, series on PCGamer.com mm-hmm. called Crapshoot by Richard Cobet. And uh, they were rerunning it. It's a th- column he did from 2010 to 2014 where he would kind of just, like, talk about a random obscure game, which Hopkins FBI totally is. But uh, he fucking hates that game so much, and it's easy to tell why from playing it. Uh, All right, so... It has possibly the worst puzzle I've ever seen in a point-and-click, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. Josh was describing one that's in Gabriel Knight that's pretty bad, but this one is, like insultingly terrible and all the violence against women in it is appalling and so terrible it's hilarious honestly but anyway so there's a point in the game where uh you're looking for clues to your uh kidnapped girlfriend's whereabouts and you keep finding uh bodies of dead naked women uh in strange places around the city of course. Uh, so to find this one, you have to go to the museum, and you have to get ingredients to uh, make a Molotov cocktail, and you have to put the Molotov cocktail in the fireplace in this uh, part of the museum where there is a wax figure of, like, I don't know, Alexander Hamilton or some shit. I forget who it is. Um And the reason you're putting the Molotov cocktail in the fireplace is to melt the wax statue in this museum. And the wax statue melts and reveals that there's a dead naked woman inside the wax statue. (laughs) Now, there's there's a lot of steps to go to get to that logic, but none of them make sense. Why would you not just try to make a normal fire? Why would you go to the lengths to make a Molotov cocktail? Why would you think to melt that wax figure at all? Why would... There's no way to know that that's how you progress. Except by looking it up, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, dude, this... There's no way. This happens all the time with... Even, like, yeah, even good, good point, point and click, clicks. Yeah. Like, I agree. This is a bad trope in the genre. But where they this just make, one is so bad that... 
And then the payoff is just seeing another dead naked woman. So you got that going for you. So that sucks. Anyway, um, another really bizarre thing about this game is part of the plot involves your character dying. Like, for the most part, it's attempting to be a gritty, you know, kind of like, I guess, parody of comics and comic books. The art style suggests as much to me. But yeah, it's very cartoony. It's really an insulting one. Uh, so there's this part where you fucking die and you go to heaven. <laughs> it's purgatory. <laughs> yeah. But like, okay, so... <laughs> and you talk to the guy and he's like, hey, wait over there. But then you just like, you know, fucking fuck around. And solve a puzzle, which involves going into the unisex bathroom where there's naked women, by the way. Yeah, of course. Uh, and you dress up like a woman and trick the guard into going to get a drink with you. And he's like, I'll meet you there. And then he just leaves. And then you could just go past where he was guarding and get in this weird teleporter to go back to Earth. Uh, and it's at this point that the game just continues as if that didn't happen. Because Hopkins doesn't talk about it to anyone. <laughs> you just get to the point where you go to your girlfriend's house for your date and find that she's not there. And to top it all off, once you do find your girlfriend, it's you go to the shooting range and uh, you have to shoot at a target and then the target bleeds and then you the target comes into you so you can see what you hit and it's your fucking girlfriend and you shot her dead behind the target because the bad guys put her there uh so then do you know what you do hmm. later in the game hmm. you go to heaven again mm. and get bring her back from life because you just can what the fuck yeah uh that game is so insultingly terrible um, that it defies belief that it exists. And everyone who made it, everyone who was involved, <laughs> should be massively ashamed that they contributed to the fucking fecal waste of a game that that is. But anyway, some bad things, I think are worth talking about and are fun. Now, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm good, dude. You think you are? Yeah. I think we should get into... Batman and Robin. Is it, is it time? Same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, so, um... Hit me with it, buddy. When you when you watch this movie, you have some questions, such as, how did this get made? And you have to put yourself in the mindscape that it is 1997, because it certainly wouldn't have got made now. Uh, now, I say that, but I think there are worse movies in the Batman film series than this that we're going to get to eventually. Yeah. Maybe even next week. No, definitely next week. <laughs> most, most likely. I don't know, this was pretty down there, though. But uh, but it's interesting because it's so dated. 
in terms of its presentation of what a superhero movie is. Uh, it's dated even by the standards of something like Spider-Man. Even something like Blade. <laughs> like, like we're going like back far. But uh, anyway, a lot of the facts and quotes I found here. I want to give a shout out to an article. Uh, excellent article on HollywoodReporter.com. Uh, Batman and Robin at 20, Joel Schumacher and more reveal what really happened by Aaron Couch. For the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, this was published in like 2017, I believe, when the 20th anniversary of the film was happening. Yeah. And uh, really shed some light on a lot of the hows and a lot of the whys. <laughs> That's the big one. The and, whys. Uh, you know, there was also plenty of information out there on your IMDb's and your Wikipedia's. We're not wanting for knowledge about Batman and Robin. It's out there. And boy, is it interesting. So, you may notice that this is a movie that came out in 1997, and Batman Forever came out in 1995. Meaning, Batman and Robin was fast-tracked into production yeah. for release just two years after the previous film in the franchise. So... I think it's no secret that this movie was a disaster uh, leading to a reboot of WB's Batman franchise that went in a completely different direction in tone. So, what happened? That's the big thing. <laughs> and what could have happened if WB had stayed with the initial Batman continuity is also an interesting question that we'll get to. So, Joel Schumacher... Yep, your boy, boy <laughs> returns to direct. Akiva Goldsman returns to write. Uh, Akiva Goldsman is notorious because he wrote this and Batman Forever, and then not much of note after that. Yeah, he's a notoriously uh, poor screenwriter. I, I guess I would say. You know, your 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 previous generations, Chris Terrio. Let's go with that one. <laughs> Man, that feels rude to say. This guy's probably better than Chris Terry. Might be. <laughs> I, would, I would assume so. Now, the weird thing is, Schumacher and Goldsman, as a pair, had scored three hits in a row. Two critically, one financially. Right. With The Client, Batman Forever, and A Time to Kill. So, what, what could go wrong? <laughs> what well, could possibly go wrong? Well, well, all right. The short schedule was one problem. From the words of Schumacher himself, Akiva was very leery about Batman and Robin. We had a couple of very serious discussions about it, and he was right about it in the long run. Suddenly, you're carrying what's called the tentpole movie of the year, which means that's going to carry all the other movies. So you're going to open whether you have something or not, because those spots in the summer are so sought after and so juggled around that you've got to piss on your ground or you're not going to have dates in the summer. And it's like, oh my god, I'm opening, but now I have to make something to open with. <laughs> uh, returning composer Elliot Goldenthal agreed that the pressure was on. Uh, his quote, It seems like you never have enough time. 
And seeing the posters all over Ventura Boulevard or Sunset Boulevard or the subways in New York, you are reminded how few days you have left to complete the project. Oh, man. Another problem was toy companies were brought in to pre-production meetings. They weren't just making toys after the movie was in production. They were kind of designing the look of the film in general with Warner Brothers. And uh, that ends up being pretty stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's even more further stupid because, uh, as you can look on the Twitter, the action figures kind of look nothing like the movie. Because they were made in pre-production. Yes. Um, probably before people were cast. Which is really interesting because out of the four main toys, mm-hmm. or I guess five if you count Bane, uh, Robin looks somewhat like Chris O'Donnell because they knew he was going to be Robin. But everyone else looks off. Speaking of which, recasting is a problem. Yeah. Yet again. Val Kilmer had already agreed to star in The Saint and was not willing to leave that role to accommodate Batman and Robin's tight schedule because he would have had to leave an already established like movie he was agreeing to be in. Right. So I think possibly because he didn't even like working on Batman Forever anyway, he decided not to return. Uh, Schumacher, who had issues working with Kilmer on Batman Forever, said the following, quote, he sort of quit and we sort of fired him. (laughs) (laughs) And so George Clooney, currently popular due to his role on ER, Mm -hmm. is cast. Uh, The shooting schedule accommodated Clooney working around his schedule for ER. Clooney later admitted to portraying Batman as Subtly gay in the film. Amazing. Uh, Saying, quote, Joel Schumacher told me Batman was gay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's amazing. Briefly, I don't give a shit one way or the other. Batman could be gay. Yeah, why not? I don't think he is because they have such a big portion of his character devoted to female characters like Catwoman. Vicky Vale, there's Silver St. Cloud, uh, unfortunately, Batgirl. <laughs> like, uh. there's so many different interpretations of it, and not not a one of them have been gay, but I don't have a problem with it. I'd have been fine with it. And it's kind of funny watching the movie, because you have this subplot of... <laughs> Bruce ducking his current fiance out of getting married because he's like he stammers and like the way you're supposed to go about it is he doesn't want to commit because he's Batman. But I guess how Clooney portrayed it is a little different. He doesn't want to commit because he doesn't want to date a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So anyway, that's great. The hastily assembled script drew heavy inspiration from Batman the Animated Series, mainly in its use of Mr. Freeze as the main villain. Now, Mr. Freeze first appeared 
1959 as a character called Mr. Zero. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was the animated series and Paul Dini and Bruce Timm that truly created the character as we know him today. Because you didn't have those elements of him being a tortured scientist seeking a cure for his frozen wife. Uh, This more sympathetic version of the character was introduced in the episode Heart of Ice, which is an amazing, great, Great. all-time episode of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Won an Emmy for outstanding writing in an animated program. Deserves it. It's still one of the best. Um, So that's cool. Depending on who you cast. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been suggested that the original choice for the role of Mr. Freeze was Patrick Stewart, which I think would have fucking fit so well. That would have been interesting. Wow. Depending on how they wrote it. Yeah. But Schumacher has denied this and said that they were always going to go with Arnold once they set that plan into place. Yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Back again on the Get and Jump show. <laughs> yep, here we are. Oh, uh, Terminators, Predators. He's just he's gonna be an. Uh, he's he's in three of the franchises so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Arnold Schwarzenegger was cast, the role was significantly rewritten. Can you guess why? <laughs> why to reflect his one-liner capability, of course. And boy, did they take advantage of that in Batman and Robin. That's literally all they did with him. Every single line out of Mr. Freeze's mouth has the word cold <laughs> or ice in it, basically. It's terrible. It's all he says. Uh, it's also hilarious, but also It's hilarious. so goddamn funny. <laughs> you can look up compilations of every single ice pun he says, and it's like ten minutes long. <laughs> so much. Uh, so why Schwarzenegger? Uh, Schumacher has stated he wanted Mr. Freeze to appear, quote, big and strong like he was chiseled out of a glacier, uh, which isn't typically how Mr. Freeze is portrayed. He's a scientist. Yes. He's usually portrayed like a nerd. Yeah, they they, they have a throwaway line in this where they're watching uh, footage of him before he turns into Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And they mention that he was a fucking, like, Olympic winning decathlete and scientist. (laughs) Like, okay, you can try to excuse the fact that you cast Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like, come on. Could just, just just do it the way common. Like, damn, he's built. Yeah. That's all you you gotta do. do. It doesn't matter. You're already being like a meme anyway. Right. This movie is trying to intentionally be funny in many parts, but Honestly, the moments that are more funny are the ones that are not intended to be funny. Yep. There's so many. So Schwarzenegger receives top billing, $25 million, for this role. Damn. That's a, that's a check, Which is baby. interesting. I, I, I feel like it's one of the only Batman movies I can think of where the person playing Batman isn't the top billed person. Uh, that's also the case with Batman 89. With Jack Nicholson. Right. Which, that also makes sense, I suppose. It makes less sense here, but I, I guess, honestly, he probably has equal screen time to Clooney. Almost. Um, close. He has a lot to do. And quip about. <sighs> so, um, the character's bald, but Schwarzenegger refused to shave his head and decided to simply wear a bald cap instead. 
Now, he did have to have makeup applied for six hours. And this is kind of fucking weird. Uh, for some reason, they had it designed so that he has an LED in his mouth that emits blue light. Uh, and unfortunately, fucking Schwarzenegger's saliva getting on the LED battery made battery acid from the LED leak in Schwarzenegger's mouth. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't think that's a good idea to eat that. No. He even, like, reportedly on set said, like, Ah, what is this? Why does my mouth taste like shit? <laughs> and, like, it's like you're guzzling battery acid, my guy. Uh, what the fuck? That is not an important addition to do. No, I, I didn't even barely notice until the end of the movie that there was light coming out of his mouth. I, you know, yeah, one of my favorite attributes of Mr. Freeze's character is that light comes out of his mouth, right? I do not care. <laughs> I like, what a useless touch. Yeah. Some things are like, I'm like, I love like little attention to detail things in film. I'm it like, depends. The wild things that people do. It Don't depends. Don't put an LED light that can leak battery acid into your actor's mouth, in your actor's mouth. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, that's that's weird. Um, oh, another fun tidbit. I forgot to write this down, but I just remembered it. Uh, so there's a part where he smokes a cigar, and the cigar mm. is dyed blue because he's Mr. Freeze, get it? Uh, apparently, Bon Jovi visited the set and brought him Cuban cigars, uh-huh. and Schwarzenegger just wanted to smoke one, so he had the prop department make it look like a Mr. Freeze cigar, so that he could smoke it during a scene. Which, you know what? That's fine. Hell yeah, that's boss. Yeah, that's pretty dope. <laughs> he was like, make this work. <laughs> but, like, it works for the scene, honestly. Yeah, it's fine. he's yeah. in the middle of his, like, gang's lair. And he's, like, he's the hanging, big, the big boss of all of them. Yeah, he's hanging out and having a smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, but what Batman film would be satisfied with just one villain? <laughs> Who you got? Uma Thurman, fresh off the success of such hit films as Pulp Fiction, is out here playing Poison Ivy, the co-lead villain. In what might be her worst role. It's definitely her worst role. Yeah, I... <laughs> she is fucking awful in this movie. It's probably the worst... It might be the worst part in this whole movie. It's really hard for me to say. Uh, but you also got bit part villains... Uh, Robert Swenson as Bane. Yeah. One of Batman's greatest villains is relegated to a mere one-note monster here. How weird. It's the worst. Probably the worst. Out of all the terrible things in this movie, that might be the most egregious to me. Bane's one of my favorite yeah, characters in Bane's Batman great. in general. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's this so... was early. Like, I believe they had just did... Nightfall in the comics, yeah. so Bane wasn't like, like they only probably put him in this movie because he was immensely popular at the time, right? And that sway led to them putting him in the movie because it would sell shit, of course. Yeah, of course. but you know, as it stands, Bane's actually a fairly intelligent, interesting character. He's brains and brawn, right. not just brawn, but here he's just literally like a Hulk. Yeah, he just gets relegated to, like, a giant shit monster that screams a lot and just, like... He says words, like, kind of. He, he is like the Hulk. He does, he does the like, toddler you know, thing, yeah. Yeah. Bomb! It's way worse than the Hulk. 
the Hulk has, you would have approached him in this era, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, John Glover, as mad scientist and creator of the Venom toxin, Jason Woodrow. Another interesting overacted performance. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, Vivica A. Fox as Mr. Freeze's female thug who disappears after her single scene. <laughs> Did you even remember she was in the movie? No, I didn't. Yeah, right? Uh, her name was Miss B. Haven. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. Really? What the fuck? It's, it's only in the credits of the film, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Why? Mm. Why did you do that? And I'll bring this one up very briefly. Coolio yes. has a cameo appearance mm-hmm. as a character taking bets during the motorcycle race scene. But he would have possibly been in line to play Scarecrow in the sequel. I don't know if they would have had him be this character or if there was going to be any continuity at all. Judging from the previous three films, no, <laughs> there would right. have been none. <laughs> Batman falls in love with Bat- with Vicky Vale. Batman falls in love with Selena Kyle. Batman falls in love with uh, 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 Chase Meridian. Alfred, I've never been in love before. What do I do? <laughs> the fucking continuity is non-existent. If it weren't for Alfred and Commissioner Gordon played as the same characters, played by the same actors, sorry, uh, there would be nothing at all holding these together. <laughs> uh, by the way, the actor who played Bane was a professional wrestler, Robert Swenson, and he unfortunately passed away soon after the release of this film. Uh, Schumacher said this about him. I think he had the biggest biceps on record at that time. He was a sweet guy with a young family. He was a dream to work with, and I think we were all crushed by that. No. So that's sad. It would have been cool if he would have got to be cool, Bane. Yeah. But, you know... Oh, well. So other new characters. Obviously, Chris O'Donnell's back and the other people. Uh, But Alicia Silverstone joins the cast as Barbara Wilson slash Batgirl. You may notice I didn't say Barbara Gordon. Yeah, they changed it. Because they changed this shit (coughs) so that she is, you know, instead of being the daughter of Commissioner Gordon, she's Alfred's adopted niece. I don't know if that's how adoption works, but all right. She calls him Uncle Alfred, but it's not her uncle. No. Or anything, really. No relation. No, they're related, I thought. Um, You sure about that? No, because they had that throwaway scene where she said, my parents died, and then Alfred's been uh, paying for my stuff. Like, maybe I guess they could be related. No, but it's not like his sister. No, 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 because it was his sister, right? He's like that oh yeah, he was talking his... about that. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was his sister's kid, and then but then she died along with her husband. And okay, then, and then Alfred took, took how typical her in. Yeah, because um, everybody in this house has to be orphans. So I don't know why they decided to do this, but I think honestly, given how lame Commissioner Gordon is in these four movies, I guess they just didn't. They did attach her to a more interesting character, which is Alfred in yeah. these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's I, I, I guess that's fine. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to say about that. Like Barbara Gordon is much more interesting as a character if uh, Commissioner Gordon is uh, also interesting, right? Because then you get the whole dynamic about you know. Hopefully that'll be done in a movie at some point. 
I would love to see it because they haven't done it. This is the only time Batgirl's been in a film, from what I know. Batgirl's hard to do. I think right. she's in Lego, but like that's about it. Batgirl is hard to do right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As the Killing Joke will argue, it's really hard to do right. Oh Jesus Christ! They just like they just try to do something really stupid. They knew what the fuck they were. They doing knew they that fucked that up. Stupid ass. They dumb had to have fuck known. movie. Yeah. Bad. We will not be watching that. As no, part of this, it wasn't a, it wasn't a wide. No, I don't count it as a movie that came out in theaters because it came out in theaters for like a day, for one showing, and then was released on DVD the same day. Yeah. So I don't really, you know, if I was to count that, I'd have to count a couple other ones they did that for, and I don't, I don't want to bog this list down. It's already seventeen movies. Right. I did expand it to have spinoffs, but I think that that'll have a lot of potential in talking about stuff we would have ignored otherwise. Like Joker and uh, unfortunately Suicide Squad, but I think it's interesting to talk about those. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily interesting to talk about. I don't know the fucking Justice League Dark animated movie stuff like that, or like the Killing Joke movie, which is uh, yeah uh, that terrible first. I'll give part you my review. The, the first joke. half hour is bad. The rest of it, I probably would have just been rather reading The Killing Joke because that's literally all it is, except thing. it looks yeah. worse. Right. <laughs> like, they chose this weird art style that doesn't look right and it's kind of animated poorly. Very weird choice. And then that first half hour is a waste. So, anyway, fuck all that. We talked a bit about the nipples. <laughs> we did. <laughs> the new suits for Batman and Robin. Feature com- uh, prominent nipples and cod pieces, and and the movie wastes no time in, in showing them off immediately. Literally, the very beginning of the yeah. Film. So this ended up being one of the biggest talking points about the film, the thing that everyone dunks on it for, the bat nipples. Everyone makes fun of it for this. Most it's, common criticism. So what? Is this the first thing that pops out to you? Literally. <laughs> yeah, it literally puts it right in your face. So Schumacher was taken aback by the negative reaction. Uh, here's his quote. I had no idea that putting nipples on the bat suit and Robin suit were going to spark international headlines. The bodies of the suits come from ancient Greek statues which display perfect bodies. They are anatomically correct, as I said earlier. Uh, that was the plan. Now, Chris O'Donnell on the costumes, quote, It wasn't so much the nipples that bothered me. It was the cod piece. The press obviously played it up and made it a big deal, especially with Joel directing. I didn't think twice about the controversy, but going back and looking and seeing some of the pictures, it was very unusual. (laughs) So, uh, filming went well and finished ahead of schedule, but things seemed a little off to some of the actors. Chris O'Donnell said... It just felt like everything got a little soft the second time. On Batman Forever, I felt like I was making a movie. The second time, I felt like I was making a kid's toy commercial. Ooh. O'Donnell also said that even though he and Schwarzenegger had hung out on set and during promotion for the film, uh, they never actually worked together on the movie, as stand-ins were often used for scenes. (laughs) That's really weird. It is really weird. But it's probably common in big productions like this. Yeah. You have to assume. Uh, John Glover said about his experience filming his bit part, uh, quote, Joel Schumacher would sit on a crane with a megaphone, 
and yell before each take. Remember, everyone, this is a cartoon. It was hard to act because the, that kind of set the tone for the film. <laughs> and boy, does it ever. So, just like for Batman Forever, a soundtrack album was produced with a diverse list of artists. We got the Smashing Pumpkins song. Pumpy. The end is the beginning is the end. We got Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> we got R.E.M. We got Jewel. We got the Goo Goo Dolls. And... Let me get a big ol' yikes, because we got a R. Kelly song. Ooh, hit that, smack that yikes Gotham button. Gotham City! Uh, so that song's terrible. That song's really bad. It plays at the end credits along with the Smashing Pumpkins song, which uh, I like, but it's kind of lame. But, like, I don't care. That's kind of their aesthetic. They literally just made these soundtracks just because, and, like, it's so weird that none of these songs are, for forever, too, that none of these songs are actually in the fucking movie. Uh, I think the Bone Thugs one is briefly. Yeah, like... Um, and then the R.E.M. song, I think. The well. Prince songs for 89 were actually in the movie. Yeah, they were incorporated into the film. Not right. all of them, but at least some of them. And that yeah. makes it memorable. Um, the soundtracks for these are still memorable, in my opinion. But kind of tangentically. Right. And not incorporated into the movie itself. Which is unfortunate. Uh, the Smashing Pumpkins won a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance for this song. Uh, they also produced an extremely different version of the song. Uh, the beginning is the end is the beginning, which was slower and has different instrumentation behind it. Yeah. Uh, this song was featured in the trailer for Zack Snyder's Watchmen, which is a great trailer for a, for a not that great movie. It's an okay movie. It's an okay movie. It's about, it's about Snyder's. You could have done better. I mean, like. It's it's only going to happen when you have someone who doesn't even understand Watchmen making Watchmen. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? So let's talk about what happens in this movie, if we can. After after shit title crawl. That title crawl is incredible. It's it's very similar to Forever's. Yeah. Uh, but I really appreciated the sound of a subway train driving by. <laughs> as the fucking names fly past you <laughs> what it's, what weird sound design on these credits most like arnold schwarzenegger and as the letters pass it's fucking subway sound what most of the movie has this really strange sound design to it in the scene coming up, there's like a fucking dinosaur statue, and when it crashes, it makes an actual dinosaur sound. <laughs> like what? a real dinosaur died. Very bizarre. Remember, we're making a cartoon. Remember, it was the 90s as well, so Jurassic Park was huge, oh, and God. The Lost World was coming out that year, I believe. So maybe they just wanted to have a jab at a... At a rival studio. Haha, ha, we killed a dinosaur in our movie. So, yeah, Batman and Robin, we get seen where Dum Dum's suiting up. Mm-hmm. You got zoom in on bat nipples, Ooh, zoom in on badass. What's the first line of the movie? Do you know it? Was it, was it? Is it Alfred? Nope. No. It's uh, the Batmobile rises up, and then Robin goes, I want a car. <laughs> That's right. Chicks dig the car. And then Batman says, this is why Superman works alone. And that sets the tone 
the whole movie. For how this movie's gonna fucking go. The one that really set the tone for me uh-huh. was that they got after they got in their car, after Batman got in the Batmobile, and then Robin got in his motorcycle, and they drove off. Um, and you had Alfred in the background, yeah. and he said, I'll cancel the pizzas. Right. The completely throw away, why'd you say that line? It's like you're going to put that in the trailer kind of line. Even Why would you put that in a trailer? It's so oh, terrible. I could see it happening. I bet Don't it was. wait up, Alfred. Like the, the score stops. I'll cancel the pizzas. And then the score comes back in and it says like June 19th. Like real big. <laughs> I could see that totally being the That's case. Terrible. They did the same thing probably in Batman Forever when he said uh, in a very similar joke where he was like, I'll get drive through. Like, what's your obsession over these weird, like, haha, get it? Because Batman is talking about doing a mundane thing. And I'm like, Ugh. okay. Ugh. It's so weird. Anyway, they're going off because they, they, they got a call from Kamishi. Commissioner Gordon comes up on this little screen of the Batmobile. It looks like trash. And he says, Batman, there, here's Mr. Freeze. This guy. There's a new villain called Mr. Freeze. This fucking lad is just, is just in the museum just fucking shit up. Could you please stop this ruckus? Yeah. And Batman's like, okay. So this establishes that they didn't know about Mr. Freeze beforehand, right? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to put yeah, that yeah, out yeah. there. That's important to, mm-hmm. that's important to mm-hmm. note that mm-hmm. it, it's like Commissioner Gordon was telling that, that Mr. Freeze is here for the first time. Yes, uh, and we get introduced to Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze in all of his glory. Um, I gotta, I'm going to go out on a limb here and maybe have a controversial take. Go for it. I fucking love his costume so fucking much. It's really cool. I fucking love his costume. Uh I don't like Poison Ivy's or Bane's as much. Bane's is okay, but then the the way they handled the character ruins it. Yeah, what, um, Bane's costume is actually pretty close to like old. Yeah, Bane. yeah, it's very interesting. Um, but like, goddamn, if you're gonna go with this giant meat mountain of a human playing Mister Freeze, then I guess this is what it should look like. Yeah, uh, I love his costume. I think it's the best part about the character, and I also love that Schwarzenegger. Seems to be one of the few people that knows how stupid this movie is. Yes. Uh, because he just loves to say every single stupid-ass line in this movie. Uh, God, we got so many. I mean, coming up, we got like, what killed the dinosaurs? The ice age! <laughs> Immediately, he freezes like two cops and tells them to chill out. Chill. And it just, it just says chill. Chill. <laughs> I can't do a... See, we're going to come back with that Hey, it's me, Rocky voice where we're bad at impressions. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> we're, we're, no, we're good hey, everybody. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I can't do the best Schwarzenegger, even though it's a very common impression that everyone does. <laughs> right, and I can't do it either. I'm fucking... Ugh. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, uh, he freezes a lot that. of fucking cops. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of cops. It's cool, dude. Cops. He's trying to steal Smash a diamond. Smash the state, dude. Right. He's yeah. trying to steal a diamond. Uh, Batman shows up and uh, starts. They start doing the fighty fight. Um, he says a free says a quip and then like it's Batman. <laughs> There's this part where he's like pointing at them and his gang is coming out of the woodworks. 
Uh, by the way, his gang's design is hilarious. They're like hockey goalies. It's, it's fucking uh, ridiculous. And he's like, yes, kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <coughs> Ooh, how does he do that voice? Mm. That's his voice. Yeah, I know. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Batman and Robin show up to try to stop Mr. Freeze. They get attacked by their goodies, and uh, you get here a very long scene. This is really long. It's a great, great tone setter. <laughs> Where they're, they're just, like, fighting people, and dumb sound effects are happening while they're doing it with the trash sound design of this movie. I want to point out that there's this part where Mr. Freeze... Uh, picks up this cop and throws him into the air. Yeah, then, I don't and, and, back. and like that guy just keeps flying in the air. <laughs> we go? don't see him crash land. We just see him raise up, like play the balloon fight music, and he just goes. <laughs> <laughs> or like, no, that was the wrong meme music. I was thinking of. It's, it's the space uh, area in Ducktales. Oh no! <laughs> he just flies into the air. He's gone forever. <laughs> you do, do not see this guy come back down and this movie does this weird shit where like every character when they like jump or something go way too far and high yeah it's Batman like, really has some strange. big fucking jumps in this movie it's so weird uh, Robin as well uh, everybody really these characters aren't superheroes you, you need to they're not Superman well they are superheroes but yeah I got what you mean <laughs> And we're not dealing with They're reality. They're not super-powered. Yes. No, we're clearly not dealing with reality in this movie. In literally any I said, aspect no, of it. No, we're definitely not. This is this is definitely trying, even more than Batman Forever tried, to be 60s Batman camp. But even then, I don't think you saw Batman and Robin jumping like we, could, like we knew they were on wires. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, no, that was never a thing. Once again... What makes 60s Batman hilarious and something that neither of these movies even, like, legitimately attempted to achieve was the outward ridiculousness of it. Yeah, like, they were intentionally going with, all right, this will be stupid. The thing is, nothing in this movie feels intentional. Uh, I have a feeling that a fair amount of it was, but it's, like, lazy intentional. Right. Uh, because there's so many corny lines that are designed to be, like, gut busters. That just don't work. The reason the Mr. Freeze puns are the funniest part of the movie is that you have Schwarzenegger delivering them with the utmost sincerity. Yes. Like, this man believes he is Mr. Freeze. It is great. It's you could, fun. You look, like, you look at Batman 66, right? And you, it, it's the subtlety that's with it, too. Yes. Like... Like, now, Batman and Robin are just existing in this ridiculous world where everything's labeled, mm -hmm. and they would be the heroes in and, it. And they don't, like, react to it and go, like, wow, that's weird, dude. Right. Yeah. And, like, that's what helps how fucking insane it is and how fun it is. There's, like, a lot of sincerity in Batman's 60s that's, yeah. like, I guess kind of missing here. Oh, very much so. This movie feels insincere as fuck. It feels like a toy commercial. So, and then it just, like, goes even crazier because, like, Mr. Freeze takes off in a fucking rocket. Yeah. And, like, shoots off into the sky, and we get all these bad shots of, like, our characters suspended on the side of this rocket ship and trying to get in, and uh, they just fucking... It just looks bad because, you know, 1997... Yeah, uh, maybe and, don't attempt to do something this fucking crazy. You know? Yeah, and they both—it's uh, bound to look bad. And they eventually get back down to the earth anyway. 
He's like just a big up and down, which fucking. Oh well, yeah, you know. It was very strange. I, well, I didn't. because Mister Freeze, uh, uh, shoots his gun at a furnace down below. And freezes the and whole furnace. Robin yells, "He's freezing the furnace!" I remember that. And yeah. uh, like, I guess they're just fine to just you know land <laughs> on their feet and not break their legs after jumping way from way oh, too high. My way God, too they were high. in this like the stratosphere. <laughs> like, what? Does this movie think it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or something? I don't. I don't get it. Fuck! I wish. Sick. That movie's great. <laughs> this movie I appreciate for buddies on wires while being filmed. That's fun. Yeah. So so they they try to catch track up to Mr. Freeze. He freezes Robin. Oh, in a terrible escapes. effect, by the way. The, the freezing awful. effects are very bad. Looks awful. And then he was like, "All right, you have five minutes to unfreeze where he dies." Can you be cold, Batman? <laughs> Suggesting that, like you know, you can uh, you can chase me or save the boy. Choo. <laughs> Classic, uh, you know, just happened in Batman Forever moment. Yep. Uh, and the, these movies are very similar. Oh yeah. Um, in, in more ways than the obvious ones. Like the structure is the same. Mm-hmm. Intro in the Bat Cave, close ups of the Bat suit, the nipples in the butt. Uh, quippy line with Alfred. Go out to stop already established villain in the city. In Forever, it's Two Face. Here, it's Mister Freeze. But then we start to get introduced to a new villain who we see the entire introduction and origin of in the movie. And then they end with the villains teaming up and you have to take out both of them at the end. Right. Um, and and then it ends the same way, too, with Batman and Robin running towards the screen. Yep. Well, and Batgirl at the end of this one. Uh, it's very strange that they kind of have exactly the same structure, which I think is completely born out of the necessary, like, oh, fuck, write a script, hurry up, it needs to be done yesterday <laughs> kind right. of nature of this movie. Yeah. It's fucking super dumb. So Batman just picks up Ice Robin, like his cardboard. Uh huh, and he just plops him <laughs> in some water and then heats it up with a laser pointer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, so that entire little section there, I'm like, what the fuck is yeah, happening? Yeah. He just picks him up. You got to think about that man probably. What do you, how much do you think Chris O'Donnell weighs? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like two hundred something. I, we could say that Batman. He's pretty lift thick. That. He's pretty thick. He's right? also frozen. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's also completely covered in ice. Yeah. He just but goes, like clearly this is just a prop. So like yeah, Clooney he, just lifts it like, like it's nothing. A prop. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like that door with Val Kilmer in the last movie. Right. <laughs> it's just like clearly cardboard. Uh, but uh, whatever. And then Robin Robin's thawed. comes out. And like I think they have an argument here, or maybe that happens a little later uh, when they get back to the Batcave. Uh, no, they don't argue yet. Robin's just cold. Robin's just cold. And he, gets a, he has a blanket on him and some hot shot. I thought that eventually that he was like, that was too reckless, Robin. Yeah, that, because that's... he dives at Mr. Freeze and like, oh, yeah, 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 there's yeah. a shot of Batman going like, no. Which introduces us to this bad subplot in a movie that's already packed with too many plots. Right. Which is that Robin is angsty because Batman won't like let him do things. 
because he's like nervous and and he's like you don't you don't view me as part of the team batman and it just leads to him continuing to be an extremely annoying robin yeah. The worst aspects of the character. Just like acting like an angsty teenager, you know, he's like 25. Even though he's like 40, yes. Right. <laughs> uh, damn it. There's too much going on in this movie. There's so much going on in this movie. Oh, there's way too much going on. So we get the Poison Ivy origin next, yes, I believe. That is next. So we have. Uh... We in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. In fucking Brazil. <laughs> yep. Just a cut, quick cut over to Brazil. We have Dr. Pamela Isley, who's working under Jason Woodrum. Uh, they gave her big Riddler energy in this. Yeah. She acts quite like him while she's uh, while she's Pamela, not while she's Poison Ivy. Yeah. Although all the villains are written very similarly. <laughs> right. They're, they're quip meme machines in mm-hmm. the Schumacher-verse. Right. So, uh, yeah, this scene is insane. Yeah. Because so, she's just ranting and raving, and it's like, oh, look at this insane scientist. But then they just pan over to her boss in the other room. More insane. Who is a more insane scientist. Uh, I wanted to know more about that guy, to be honest, because he was fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, and he just has, like, fucking, like, Fidel Castro and Kim Jong-un up there in the rafters, and they're, like, bidding on... <laughs> They're bidding on what will become Bane, which is this skinny dude who he injects the Venom formula into, and he becomes it, a big lad. It was made by by Pamela Isley. Uh, yes, well, he took like it. some of her research and combined it with his to make right. Venom, I believe. Yeah, and she was designing something for plants to defend themselves against humans. Yeah, um, she's like a weird hyper environmentalist. Well, that's you it's know like misandry, but if you're a plant. <laughs> You know what? It's fair. I'm not even going to say it's not comic accurate, but it's never been done to the point where, like, you know, she's this unlikable. Yeah. Because uh, it's, al- it's almost to the degree where I question the motives of why they decided to make her this way. Because there's a later scene with her that seems outright mocking of environmentalists at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yes. Now, granted, like she does want to kill all humans to make room for plants by the end of this movie, but at no point in the fucking like comics and the animated series do they kind of put forth the notion that like she's necessarily wrong for wanting to defend the Earth. Uh, there's cool, great, fine comics that approach this in a modern lens in a cool way. That, like, you know, you could use Poison Ivy to talk about global warming and how we're not doing anything about it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But in this movie, they're just like, ah, <laughs> oh, this crazy bitch thinks global warming's real. Get out of here, idiot. Yep. And it's very dismissive and annoying. And so she sneaks into the boss's basement where they're making Bane and auctioning him off. She gets completely appalled by this. This scene doesn't make any discovered. sense because he's in a room... With people auctioning on Bane, and she stumbles into it, and he just like takes her into the other room, and and then like kills her. Yeah. So so yeah, she she goes like, "You're fucking crazy." I'm reporting you, and then she's like, "No, Al Gore." 
You won't because you'll be dead. Uh, and then pushes her into like a bunch of like I guessing toxins. And yeah, shit. He, uh, this is a uh, kind of reminds me of Christopher Walken killing Selena Kyle. It's kind of just designed to be the same thing. Where she's like, like that scene was like, uh, she was like, it's not like you could just kill me. And he's like, actually, it's a lot like that. And then laughed about it and then killed her. And then this one, they played sappy music while he's like, well, I respect your professional opinion. But I'm afraid you'll have to die. And then he screams and it's annoying yeah. as fuck. And then he just like, just kills her by pushing her over. And she, Which like, I don't think should have done it. Like, I guess the chemicals did it, but, like, she doesn't die anyway. No, she did ass melts into the ground. Yeah, this is insane. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then comes back up as poison There's a ivy. lot of questions. Hey, it is, it is just like the Catwoman thing, because her living doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Get murdered as woman in the Batman universe come back with superpowers because question mark question mark question mark and now with this begins one of my many problems with poison ivy in this movie first she does like oh I'm, I'm, I'm changed I'm one with nature and kiss me I want yeah. a partner uh-huh. and then he kisses her and then he dies cause her lips are poisonous yeah this is all she does in this movie she definitely want to be kissing people and killing them. This is all <laughs> she does in this movie. It is terrible. Uh, hey, she has a really awkward scene later that we'll talk about that she does. <laughs> it's this is just God take. I mean, yeah, poison ice is kind of hard to write. I think in general, I would agree because. You, you you run the risk of her just appearing as eye candy and that's it. You run the risk of her not working as an effect and an effective villain because it, it's just hard to maybe empathize with the character sometimes. Yeah. Because she wants like often a lot of people dead. And in this movie that's no exception. Uh but I think it works best when she is sympathetic. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, pairing her with Mr. Freeze probably from the outset is an interesting idea because they're two of the most actually sympathetic Batman villains. Mm-hmm. But, then, but here they kind of just cartoonize them into completely unsympathetic monsters. Right. <laughs> um, and it does the film no favors. And also Uma Thurman's performance does the film no favors either. Um, I'm not saying she's not unattractive. There's nothing to do with that. But but somehow they make her not do remotely anything sexy in this movie. If they were going for that, they kind of fuck it up a lot. Because it's genuinely just annoying and that's it. Whenever she's on screen. The way she delivers her lines... That's the big... That's my big ...is problem. so fucking bad. Honestly, out of everything else, the costume doesn't look too great... Like she, no, it's not great. She's not like actually terribly seductive, which I mean might be fine because she has like that whole the whole fucking like love potion thing she makes. But yeah, she her, doesn't necessarily have to be attractive if she just has the stuff that makes everyone attracted to her anyway. Right, and that might be part. Of, that might have been part of the point, and that's fine. Her it's just her no, line delivery. I mean, is, she was a very popular actress at the time. 
I, I think that they were meaning these scenes to be attractive. I think it's just because of the execution of the movie itself that it doesn't work in that regard. Yeah. That's not the most important goal here. The most important goal is it to be coherent. But it's not that either. She delivers her all of her lines in this movie, like, not even, like, they're sort of over the top in the same way that, like, Mr. Freeze is. But it's the way she, like... Like extenuates or like accents the no, way she says. It's it, so off putting. It's high school play tier. Right. Kind of shit. Yeah. And like. I'm poison the- ivy and my plant powers <laughs> will kill all of you. And it's like so fucking bad. <laughs> she's not the only person who acts like that in this movie. No. There's a couple of them. It's just a fairly cheesy is, bad movie overall she's uh, such a prominent character in this movie that it's incredibly noticeable I, I I would put forth the argument that everyone shits on the Arnold Schwarzenegger parts but those parts are genuinely enjoyable to me and he is funny as fuck in this movie Uma Thurman is anything but I think she's the, probably the worst part about this movie in retrospect, yeah, I was leaning towards Alicia Silverstone's performance as Batgirl, which is also bad. It's also really but, bad. <laughs> like, I think, at, at least with that, I could kind of forgive it because she's not in the movie that much. But Uma Thurman's in the movie a lot. You're definitely right about that. There's a ton of screen time in this movie. You make that shit count. So Poison Ivy discovers that the uh, lab was being funded by Wynn Enterprises. After she comes back out of nowhere, uh, possibly days later, we don't even know. No, it's like immediately. Uh, they cut away to have a Batman and Robin scene, and then back to it. So, I have no idea. What, where she comes back as Ivy? Yes. No, dude, it's immediately. I assume it has to be immediately. No, dude, it's, it's like... It, but it doesn't, the fact that they cut away fucks with me so hard. They, they cut away? You sure? Yeah. I didn't remember it cutting away. I thought no, no, it no. They cut away. Um, Woodrow kills her. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, fellow maniacs, let the bidding begin. And then it cuts to Batman and Robin in the Batcave watching footage of freeze. Mr. Freeze right. becoming Mr. Freeze. And then freeze. right after that, it goes back. Yes. By the way, the Mr. Freeze becoming Mr. Freeze scene is really funny because it's just this like weird, like awkward view of footage of him falling in this vat and it's just Schwarzenegger making Schwarzenegger noises. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and he falls in the vat and comes Freezy Pop. <laughs> Mr. Freezy Pop. Yeah. And then we cut back to her and she comes up from out of the ground and he's like oh uh d- d- wow you're alive <laughs> and then she like flirts with him and kisses him and kills him yes i'll kiss you al gore and then she sees a random flask that says wayne enterprises on it and she says mm. literally hmm wayne enterprises <laughs> And then it just cuts to yes, Bane. We saw that on the vial. It cuts, Thank you. It cuts to Bane doing the same Bane pose that he did in the previous scene because they literally just used the same shot. And then she's just like, okay, Bane, let's go to Gotham. And they don't establish much outside of that. These sequences are 
I feel like they had to cut out a lot because they kind of just happen. Yeah, it's and there's a, not a lot of connective tissue to make them work. But yeah, she goes to Gotham. Yep. So after that, we get our introduction to Barbara Wilson, who just fucking shows up at Wayne Manor. Uncle Alfred. Ring and ding in the doorbell. Yeah. And, and Bruce and they're like, sweet Jesus, Alfred, would you get the fucking door? <laughs> Alfred, a sick man. Yeah, he doesn't know that doorbell. yet, but like Alfred just like goes into the corner to like fart every now and then in this movie. <laughs> or at least that's what it looks like. Like it, like he goes to act like he's dying in in the corner. Uh, every now and then, not how dying works. Nah, he just like got to stand there and go like, oh, <laughs> like, what's what, what weird direction, you know? So the audience can understand that he is in pain. I thought he was shitting. <laughs> he just looks like he's farting. He goes in the corner so no one can hear him. Dude, fart. that like it caught it. Looked like he was just shitting his fucking pants. Coming, sir. Hang on. He was part of getting whatever the fuck disease he has. He just started shitting his pants. It's the Mr. Freeze syndrome. Yeah. That's a twist. Whoa. Ooh, same illness. Same illness as Freeze Wife. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. I think, like, Bruce is. says a comment about, like,. Alfred hiding something from them and he makes like a comment about it that it's like oh yes well uh, it's a Wayne family tradition to have secrets isn't it Master Bruce <laughs> and like uh, they have this awkward moment where like Bruce says oh well you must stay with us Barbara and then Alfred's like oh well uh, you know and then she says oh, okay and they play this like awkward sitcom ass music mm-hmm. and they all awkwardly stare at each other did they think this was funny yeah. I don't understand. Uh, and then we get a sense that she's sneaking out at night for some reason. But we'll get back to that later. I believe at some point here we cut to Mr. Freeze's lair, which is a god-tier scene. <laughs> yes. I think this is legitimately funny. This is actually really funny. He is making all of his cohorts watch the... The Cold Miser song. Yes. He's Mr. Blue Christmas. Uh, and, like, he's making them sing it. Yeah. And he's they, forcing them to and sing then, like, it. like, he won't sing it. And he's like, come on! Come on, sing! Sing, damn it, sing! <laughs> and uh, his outfit, in like, his casual outfit is so fucking great. It's like his robe. His blue-ass robe and these polar bear slippers. It's and so he's good. got that fucking blue cigar. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. I love his casual outfit. Uh, it, it, it's, it, what a bizarre choice. <laughs> In a series of bizarre choices yes. for this movie. Uh, and he has a brief scene where he gets hit on by Vivica A. Fox's character. And I think this scene only exists to show that he doesn't want any woman except his wife. Right. And she's like, talk about your cold shoulder. And I'm like, fuck you, movie. <laughs> oh, God. And he just goes to uh, the back, has to remove the frozen dinner and push a button in the freezer in the back of... His lair is an ice cream shop, I-, I guess. Yeah. That is 
a building that is a giant snowman head. It makes sense, I swear. Sure. It's like a video game area. <laughs> um, anyway, he pushes this secret button to go see his, his wife. And uh, that's the most serious, sympathetic aspect of Mr. Freeze's character mm-hmm. that they kind of just botch in this movie because they botch everything in this movie. Yep. And he's making some plan to go to a charity ball... To steal a diamond because his suit is powered by diamonds. Well, not just that. He's also trying to power this big beam yeah. that will turn everybody frozen in oh, the entire world. right, because he has that scene where he's talking to his uh, lackey, and he says, It'll be winter forever here in Gotham. And he and this this shot of him like wagging his finger at the dude. But it's the worst ADR I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Because what he's saying doesn't match his lips at all. No, he's like saying a different sentence. Yes. They just cobbled that together because they had to, I guess. It's so weird. There's lots of technical things in this movie. I think entirely a symptom of it being rushed that stand out like a sore thumb to me. Mm-hmm. I think after this... This is where we get... We, uh, Wayne Enterprises introduces their new big telescope that... Bruce Wayne is donating to Gotham. Oh, yeah, we get a brief scene with Bruce Wayne. Uh, yes. Which, like... Uh, what do you think of Clooney in this movie? I think he's really fucking bad. He is not very good. <laughs> like, I, I kind of like George Clooney in a lot of movies, but... They, oh, pff, not good here. He's just, like... So bland. Yeah, for sure. Batman. He's so bland. Mm-hmm. Like, the fun Batmans are either the ones that are really eccentric or, like, really charming or, like, a little crazy. Those are fun Batman performances. They were trying to go with an Adam West-esque thing. Like, playing it really straight? Playing it really straight, but then, like, what he's saying is ridiculous because of the context of the story. Right, and it doesn't work out that way. No. Not in the slightest. And, like, we meet his new girlfriend who we've never met before who, like, I don't even care what her name is. At this point, you don't care about <laughs> the continuity of his her love interest. Her said, like, twice the entire movie. I forget what it is. I don't care. <laughs> so, during this conference where he's unveiling this telescope, uh, good old Al Gore shows up. Everybody who wasn't paying attention, of course, Poison Ivy. That that helps to know. Thank you. In disguise. As Dr. As Ivy. herself. Yes. How smart. Oh, great. Oh, great. <laughs> she pushes past the guards, walks up to Bruce Wayne, and goes like, here's a proposal for fixed environmental problems. Take a look, bitch. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, no, this will kill millions of people. And she's like, ah! That's the point, dummy! Ah, whatever. Small price to pay. And he's like, no. no. Again, this scene is just like one out of Batman Forever, where fucking Jim Carrey is like, ooh, Mr. Wayne, please make my invention good. It's like, Please fund, please. And he like, this sound like a dangerous doomsday device, actually. No, thanks. It's weird how similar these scripts are. It's almost like they just took the same script and just put other villains in it. It honestly feels like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. So, Mr. Freeze shows up. 
and trying to take the diamonds from the satellites. Except uh, this. Oh, you're getting a slightly ahead of yourself. Am I? Because we gotta talk about this weird ass scene. There's this charity ball that's happening, which has a rainforest theme. And it's a weird-ass scene <laughs> to just cut to. Uh, Excuse me. People in loincoughs dancing. There's monkeys. And then Poison Ivy shows up. That's right. But okay, Poison yeah. Ivy shows up inside a monkey costume and does a striptease dance taking off the monkey costume. To reveal that she's Poison Ivy. And it is the weirdest most unsexy way you could introduce Poison Ivy I can think of. She blows out that love powder shit all over the fucking place. <laughs> everybody like, mm, trying to smash. Yes. And everybody is in love, including Batman and Robin. This is some weird kind of like charity event where like rich people bid on women to take out on a date, I think. I hate that those are, like, sort of a real thing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when Poison Ivy shows up, everybody starts bidding on Poison Ivy. And then Batman and Robin start bidding on Poison Ivy. Like, two million, three million. Bruce, Bruce is like, Dick, you don't have that. They first, they first do it by betting on the diamonds. Yeah, but there's girls there, and they're, like, going, like, I'll bid a million for the lovely Samantha. Like, I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know. It, it's some weird rich people shit. <laughs> uh, so, like, this is where we get the bat credit card. Yeah. Which I want to know what happened to that prop, because that's an interesting prop. The bat credit card. I'd want it. Yeah, dude. The original prop, I'd want it. He even uh, makes the joke, never leave the cave without it. Just terrible. Which is, like, honestly a joke that happened in a previous Batman film already. Yeah. Just, just done again, but worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. This, this is what happens. Yep. So now, as they're arguing and shit... Mr. Freeze shows up. Now Mr. Freeze pops in. He's like, I want yeah. those diamonds, please. Yeah. Walks up to Ivy, like, give me diamonds, please. She's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Hands him the she blows the dust on him, and it doesn't work on Mr. Freeze. He's like, my heart is ice cold. It doesn't work on the cold-hearted. Which, I kind of like that that's a thing. Yeah. That's a, cool, that's a cool power for him to have. That it just doesn't work on him, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense. Nah, whatever. Uh... Yeah, who cares? It's all right. It's all right. It's With all right. a little more development and uh, the movie being, I guess, a completely different movie, <laughs> maybe that could have worked better. But anyway, we get a big action sequence where Batman and Robin chase after him, and eventually, like, like Freeze drives on a giant statue yeah. thing and, like, up the arm of it, and he's, like, going to zoom off of it, and, like... And then Batman's like, Robin, you're not gonna do it. You won't make it. And he's like, I can make it. And he's like, nope. Override Robin's bat cycle. And he almost falls off the statue. Yeah, and then he that. like yells at Batman in an angry shot. <laughs> where he's just going, Rah! at Batman. That's literally what that sounds like. Yes, and then Batman catches up to Mr. Freeze and takes him out. Yep, apprehends him. He's getting sent to Arkham Asylum. Yep. And uh, they have a special cell rigged up for him at Arkham. 
mm-hmm. that uh, he has to remain in the cold zone or else he'll like die, I guess. Yeah. So the guards are like typical assholes to him about this. Well, I guess justifiably they're assholes after he beats the shit out of them. But they're still, like, played off as, like, typical, like, dumb guy guards. Right. (laughs) I love the line here where he's like, allow me to break the ice. (laughs) My name is Freeze. Learn it well, for it's the chilling sound of your doom. And I'm like, that was one line with three ice puns in it. (laughs) Is that a record for this movie? Probably. <sighs> I don't know, probably. So, we come back to Batman and Robin, and they're having some issues. They're having a big old argument. Robin's like, fuck you, Dad, you don't let me do anything. And Batman's like, first of all, you're 40. <laughs> <laughs> Second, no, you're going to die, dummy. And, and he's like, you're just jealous because Poison Ivy wants my dick and not your dick. And he's, he's like, like, please stop. That's besides the point, Robin. Yeah. God. Yeah. And so you got the, the Poison Ivy love shit, man. Get him good old fucky. Yeah. The side plot that just really, truly sucked. I hate it. I hate it. I hate the whole thing with that. Yeah. So but Poison then, Ivy, uh, after getting a new base for herself mm-hmm. by just kicking out other gang members. Yeah. By the way, their design is stupid. Yeah, they got some true. neon skulls. They were and some in chains. Uh, they were in forever. I believe they were the 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 gang that Dick Grayson yeah, fought. Yeah. Yeah, I figured as much. Wow, continuity. Sometimes, but not all the time. So what's Where's Ivy? Chase Meridian? I don't know. Fuck it. Gone. Yep. So Ivy uh, gets this place set up for herself, and then she has the bright idea of getting Mr. Freeze. Yeah, because uh, that isn't a man. That is a god, she says. Yeah. She like she wants that Freeze dick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to fuck if you, if you kiss him and he dies, but maybe he just won't die. Maybe he has that superpower, too. Just doesn't die. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, she goes to bust him out of Arkham. And does. Yep. That's about all that happens. Some, Bane just busts couple. into the evidence room and gets his gear, and they meet and they talk, and he, you know, about a potential partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did like that in the shot of the evidence room, they had Two Face and the Riddler's outfits on display. It's kind mm-hmm. of a cool little nod. Although it doesn't make sense that they'd have two faces, because that man dead as shit. Right. Drowning in the river, <laughs> but um, you know, hey, uh, apparently Schumacher was gonna have a bigger scene here, by the way. Uh, and instead of just that shot of Two Face and Riddler's costumes, he would have had a cool cameo heavy moment where, as they're escaping, it goes past several cells, and there would have been cameos from multiple Batman villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, he said he was a huge fan of the Arkham Asylum Grant Morrison comic and would have liked to have uh, elements of that. Uh, you know, there's a big what if scenario here of what if Joel Schumacher could have made, you know, a, a real movie <laughs> instead well, of the two that he made. Cinema toy commercial. But hey, what are you going to do? So now that they've aligned themselves together. 
Uh, I think they have to go rescue Freeze's wife from his hideout. Yes. Which Batman and Robin are at Mm -hmm. investigating. So Ivy shows up once again uh, trying to seduce them. Tells Robin that, oh, you don't you don't have to work with him. You can get your you can get your own bat signal. A Robin signal. Yeah. He's like, and he's like, it's a pretty good idea, Batman. He's like, please shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And like to the point where they're even fighting each other. Yeah. And he has to throw Robin in some, into some melted ice cream that looks like shit. Yeah. Uh, he comes out of it and it's really comical because he's just covered in green shit. He's just mad. <laughs> fuck you, Batman. This partnership is over. Uh, Ivy founds, finds Freeze's uh, good old cryo-sleeping wife, I guess. And then fucking unplugs her ass. Yep, just kills her. Because uh, she doesn't want competition. See, I never, was never one for competition. Yeah. Oh, what Jesus a bitch. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Any chance for her to be sympathetic at all is... It's gone. Is gone completely. It's completely. It's, it's, it's really bad. It's just a disaster. And, like, Honestly. back at Ivy's base after they uh, all escape, uh, she informs him of this, and he's... Therefore, uh, his spirits are completely crushed, and he just wants to kill Batman and Robin now. Right. Uh, but then she says, oh, well, why stop there? Let's literally kill everyone in the world. He's like, I... By freezing the entire world, and then we'll be the only people left alive... And then uh, that'll be great for my plan as Poison Ivy because then I can make plants grow and start the world over again. And that's when uh, oh, we get the worst line the in the line movie, line yeah, of uh, Adam and Evil. <laughs> it's a bad line. Please kill me. I cannot believe someone wrote that down on a script and, and like, didn't yeah. fucking laugh and say, like, "Nah, nah, I'm gonna yeah. delete that." Yes, great line. Yeah. So at some point in the middle of all this, we had a bike race scene. Uh, Dick Grayson, who uh, is not only thirsting after Poison Ivy in this movie, he's also thirsting after Barbara. Uh, you know, because this man is a slut. Yeah. Uh, he's to fuck. <laughs> I mean, he's just trying to fuck. He's like. How to respond to that? <laughs> Siri. Me too. I don't know how to respond to that either. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to respond you just to that. You just somehow asked Siri to fuck. I don't know why she was listening. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I she sneaks out and steals their motorcycles at night yep. and uses them to compete in a dangerous motorcycle race against street gangs. For Buddy. Uh, who are very creative looking. There's just like literally a clockwork orange gang yeah. and like all kinds of weirdos. Yeah, so the people that look like from the Warriors. Yeah, this looks more Mad Max or Warriors than Batman to me, this whole scene. <sighs> Dick follows her. Yep. And uh, also enters into the race and saves her life. Uh, she almost dies. And then when they get back, she's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I guess ever since my parents died, I've just liked the thrill of danger. And But whatever, I'm a good at motorcycle racing, and I'm going to make enough money so that I can make it so that Alfred can live a life without being a fucking slave to Mr. Wayne. And then... 
Dick's like, what are you talking about? Alfred loves living here. It's fine. And she's like, he's not fine. He's dying. And then storms off. And then Bruce was listening the whole time. As he as he does. Yeah. And was like... I mean, he's, he's just like, yeah, he is. He's dying. Yeah. <laughs> he has McGregor's syndrome, which is the same syndrome that plagues Mr. Freeze's wife. I can't believe he has Colin McGregor. <laughs> he has Colin McGregor syndrome. <laughs> it makes you attack buses and punch people. Even I know it's your job to punch people, but you don't have to punch them when it's not currently work hours. But, uh, you know, I, I could see how that could be confusing, I suppose. <laughs> what a fucking awful guy. <laughs> I, I, oh, God. Anyway, so, yeah, Alfred has that. Yeah, he's and... Like, he's, throwing, he's throwing shit at bosses. It's really bad. He's really he sick. He has a heartfelt scene with Bruce where he's like, no, I don't regret my time working here despite what Barbara said. You know, I'm working for heroes, and that's, you know, I wish I could be doing it with you. By the way, every scene with Bruce and Alfred has this awkward cutaway to, like, a past scene of Bruce growing up and being raised by Alfred. It's so bad. It's incredibly bad, and it's unnecessary because, like, we know this anyway. We know that's basically, like, his dad. Uh, we don't need this shit at all. It fucking blows. <laughs> and and none of them are interesting scenes either. It's just, like, Bruce Wayne trips and falls, and then Alfred's like, oh, Master Bruce, that was quite a tumble. Yeah, let's pick ourselves up. And that's, like, it. <laughs> like, okay, how it's interesting. So but, yeah, okay, so they're just like, alright, so we need to save Alfred, and he has stage one of this syndrome, which Mr. Freeze cured, so they need to talk to Freeze, but Freeze is in the middle of uh, rigging up the fucking Gotham telescope thing that Bruce was unveiling earlier in the movie mm -hmm. to become a giant Freeze Ray to freeze the entire world. Yep. And he has Bane there for uh, muscle, and then Poison Ivy's at her own lair. Yep, where uh, she lights her new... Robin signal. Yep. She's so, luring Robin there to take him out. So Robin sees it. He's like, that's the Robin signal, Dad. I'm going over there to fuck Poison Ivy. And he's like, Dad. shut, shut, shut your mouth. Like, please stop. Listen to me. And he's like, fuck you. But eventually he gets through to him and says, I want you to be my partner, Robin. Or whatever. And they, But he still goes. Uh... But, you know... He's trying to debate her at this point. Yes. As as Poison Ivy doesn't know, he has the ingenious plan of wearing rubber lips so that when she does kiss him, he peels off the rubber lips and says the actual lines someone wrote down on a script actually delivered to get paid for. <laughs> rubber lips are immune to your charm. <laughs> Ugh. Which, uh, no, I changed my mind. Adam and Evil is a bad line. I'll give you that. But this one is, I think, the low point of the entire film. Chris O'Donnell <laughs> saying rubber lips are immune to your charm. To make any sense. And he says it's so weird, too. It's really strange. A lot of the line delivery in this movie is just strange. So, yeah, they figured out that Pamela Isley 
is Poison Ivy because it was really easy to figure out because there was this awkward picture they looked at that was her arriving at the airport with Bane. (laughs) (laughs) She's wearing that mask. Yeah, and it's like this awkward, just like clearly they just photoshopped them onto an existing picture of an airport. (laughs) It doesn't look like a real picture. Oh, there's so many moments like this in this movie. But anyway, meanwhile... Barbara <laughs> is talking with Alfred and he gives her this thing uh, un- uh, in a, a couple brief scenes in this movie. God, there's like a billion C plots. Yeah. Alfred, because he knows he is dying, is trying to contact his brother Wilfred or whatever uh, to I assumedly be the butler in his stead right. once he is dead and gone. And he gives this to Barbara and says, please make sure you can find him and give this to him uh, and don't look at it. And she's like, okay. And then immediately goes into the other room and looks at it in this horrible, horrible, one of the worst hacker man scenes I've ever seen. She's just in my life. So by the way, she's established earlier in this movie that she is a computer science major. Oh, she's a computer whiz. Yeah, she's a computer science major at a university. That is established earlier in this movie, right? Yeah. So she's good with computers. So what's the first password she types in to get into Alfred's computer? Alfred. (laughs) That is the equivalent of typing password. Yeah. When it asks for password. And by the way, it's this 90s as fuck computer that's like fucking like access denied every time it's, she puts in a wrong password. She puts in London. <laughs> it's like access denied. And then uh, she sees the photo of his dear Margaret. So she puts in Margaret mm. access denied. Yeah. Uh, and then she sees that the picture says love peg on it. And she puts in peg access allowed and it says it actually like that because apparently the fucking voice on the computer is trying to fuck <laughs> like everything else in this movie yeah yeah this movie's got some big horny energy but sure it really is a confusing horny energy <laughs> um by the way i would like to point out that uh there's an establishing shot of the picture of peg uh-huh uh, that she looks at, then she looks over and types in Margaret. Then she looks back at it, and then she types in Peg. The first time it cuts to the picture, there is no writing on the picture. The second time she looks at the picture, it says Love Peg on it. Right, so this is just completely... That's incredible. <laughs> what great attention to detail, a Batman big oversight. and Robin. I, I, I applaud your set design. That's a really big and obvious oversight. That's a very bad one. Yeah, that's really, really bad. So anyway... Um, so she gets... Once she opens this file, she gets this very strange flood of like just Batman imagery <laughs> at her. And it makes no sense whatsoever. It ends with, like, the big logo that we saw at the beginning of the movie. And I was like, oh, cool. She has Batman and Robin on that laptop. (laughs) She's watching the movie Batman and Robin. So she goes down to the Batcave. And there's, like, a fucking fucking AI Alfred going intruder alert. 
and glitch in like he's Max Headroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Anyway, uh, and he's like, oh, Barbara, I, I, I thought you might find it down here. I've taken the liberty of making a suit for you. And she says, suit me up, Uncle Alfred. Now, hello. Hi. I'm Chris Hansen, uh-huh. and I'd like you to take a seat over there, Uncle Alfred. Because you just designed <laughs> this suit for your daughter that is skin-tight leather, strictly her measurements, <laughs> and has prominent nipples and prominent ass. It is terrible. Not daughter, niece. Yes. And hey, maybe it's adopted, maybe it's not. Is there leeway here that makes sense? No. None that's in a legal capacity. <laughs> Alfred, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? We started our discussion of Batman movies with Alfred sneaking a peek at Bruce Wayne having sex and he has <laughs> descended into the debauchery of making an S&M outfit for his niece. (laughs) Yeah. Is this character development? I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. It's, it's, it's so weird. I like, okay. I can excuse them making this costume for her in the sense that they wanted to give her a sexy Batgirl costume. I get it. It's Alicia Silverstone. She was like an icon, and even though she was like really young in that Aerosmith video, everyone obsessed over her and thought she was hot, even though she was like fucking 16. But whatever. Y'all be weirdos somewhere else. Uh, Anyway, they make her this costume, and I understand why, but the added context that Alfred made it for her creeps me out to no end. To the point where it is the most distracting thing in the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this. It's really bad. And also, I just want to point out, like, AI Alfred. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the stuff that he, like, set up a long time ago. Did did he know that she was going out and, like, doing this dangerous shit? That she, like, knew how to defend herself? I don't know. Why does he need a successor if you just have AI Alfred, by the way? Right. Also, what did he need a successor, or was the plan to get Barbara to go into the cave? Like, did he know she wasn't going to listen to him? Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, there's probably like eight or nine missing scenes of this plot, but I digress. Let's get to the end of the movie and be done with this horrible mess. Yeah, so Batman shows up. To start, do we cut back to Poison Ivy? Uh, yeah, we do, because this is why we have to set up Batgirl, because she shows up. To save them from Poison Ivy. Because you have to have the girl get taken out by the girl. Batman and Robin, I don't believe, punch Poison Ivy once in this movie. No, just just Um, Batgirl. Just Batgirl. And she beats her up and and kicks her into her own Venus flytrap. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah, sure. It looks like shit. (laughs) It really does. And she does a very, very obnoxious scream. (laughs) And then she's like, hey, guys, it's me, Barbara. <laughs> I found the bat cave. <laughs> and then... And oh, oh, something. yeah. Almost legendary <laughs> to me. <laughs> Batman's like, 
we're going to have to kill her. And then Robin's like, yeah, we're going to kill her. <laughs> we'll worry about, we'll kill her later. But let's go. Yes. <laughs> and it's delivered so straight by George Clooney that like, I believe <laughs> that once they were done, that once they're done with these hijinks, they're going to kill Barbara. <laughs> Like they're sitting together, Alfred's cured. They're hanging out at the dinner table, all talking, having fun. They're laughing. Bruce gets up to like put his plate away or something. And, and then, then he just pulls out a revolver. Yeah, she starts saying some talk about how she can't wait to go back out with him. She's like, Bruce, cocks gun, puts it at the back of her head. You aren't going out with anybody. No one can know my secret. <laughs> and then just pulls the trigger, blows her head off. I, I, I would have believed it. It would have been that, a great ending to that movie. How, uh, There's just the, the epilogue of them shooting Barbara in the head, and then it just cuts to the credits. Sing a happy tune. <laughs> the void that cries through you. Just, just the same movie, except it ends with a big murder. What a twist. Honestly, would have been nuts, man. Yeah, would have... <laughs> <laughs> so they go to stop Mr. Freeze. Yeah, who is currently freezing all of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Literally just shooting big ice ray at buildings. Just in mass. Freeze is a dog taking a pee. What a monster. Oh, no. So they all show up and, you know, fight Bane. Batman fights Freeze, and it's really long and stupid. There's some dumb joke characters that are here that get unfrozen They're hanging to say off some telescope. jokes and scream. Uh, they take out Bane by just unplugging the venom from his head. Wow. How easy. Yeah, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And he just shrinks and I think dies... What it looks like. Uh, they, I believe that whole place like collapses in and on itself a little bit. So mm-hmm. he might have died. They set bombs all over the place to explode later, but you know whatever. Um, they all you know fall off the thing, but then save themselves just to cut it short because like th- this scene is really long. The climax. Yep. But really, what happens in it is basic. It just takes a long time. God, there's so many fucking shots of them shooting their grapple guns up to re-get themselves up there. Yeah, just an obnoxious amount. It's like four or five times. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Really terrible. Yeah, then then you have a big long scene of Batman and Mister Freeze fighting over the telescope. Yeah, and he punches them and beats them up, and eventually Freeze is knocked off the thing and crashes down. And then when Batman approaches them, or no, first they like unfreeze Gotham. Right. Uh, their first method of doing it gets usurped by him setting off the bombs. But then they just find a computer and then Batgirl's like, I can do computer and then just hacks it to work anyway. And they like position satellites to melt Gotham from the air from like space. It's terrible. Uh, and it makes not a whole lot of sense. We didn't like the ozone layer. Who cares at this point? I just want it to be over at this point in the movie. <laughs> and then good old George Clooney, George Clowney 
in this movie. Uh-huh. Walks up to good old Bane, the Bane. Wow, Freezy, Freezy Pop. Freezy's like, okay, come on, I'm here, do it, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's like, what no. are you waiting for? Batman's like, nah, I need your help, buddy. And he's like, hey. Oh, no. Oh, this is so fucking stupid. So, during the Poison Ivy fight scene, she says, like, as I, uh, as I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her plug, this is a one-woman show. I think that's actually the line. I think I got it. Uh, so, somehow, even though Batman was strung up by vines during that line. He got it recorded. He recorded it. He's probably and got a little cameras hooked it. up to Batgirl's bat nipples. Yeah, dude. <laughs> little bat cameras. That gets more uncomfortable by the minute. <laughs> Please take a seat, sir. Uh, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> so, yeah, Batman shows that video. Yeah, and then Mr. Pop. Freeze is like, ah, no. <laughs> I've been high. Yeah, but then he's like, but she's still alive, Freeze. In a scene that happened off camera, you see, we saved her life. <laughs> God. She's fine, Freeze, and we'll let you work on her at Gotham, at Arkham Asylum, sorry, uh, work on a cure, but you need to help me. You can use your work to save a life instead of taking a life. Can you help me cure stage one? <coughs> McGregor's syndrome and he doesn't say who it's for at all he just says this to freeze and then freeze is like okay and takes out two of these things and says dead ass take two of these and call me in the morning <laughs> it has to be to him. Uh, he is a doctor right uh, so and then, like, they're like, yay, and they bring him back to Alfred and give him the shit, and he live, and it's fine, and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then Bruce shoots Barbara in the back of the head. Right. Oh, okay. But the actual fucked up violence that happens at the end of this movie, or at least implied, we cut to Poison Ivy in a cell picking petals off a flower going, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. And then Mr. Freeze comes in and says, not like fucking Wayne's world. (laughs) And uh, he's in his full costume and says, surprise, I'm your new cellmate. And uh, is like, I'm going to make your life a living hell because like he wants revenge because she tried to kill his wife. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, are you fucking implying here? Batman and and his gang <laughs> and the cops said, yeah, all right, Mr. Freeze, we will let you work on a cure to save your wife's life. But also, we will let you beat the shit out of Poison Ivy to death. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's so fucked up. So terrible. <laughs> like, we don't know what happens after that, but like, unless he was let you in can, there, why is he there? You can assume that he just kills her. I mean, he's not a nice man. He's the villain. 
Like, maybe he's had a change of heart and he'll just, like, the, even the nice scenario is that he still beats the shit out of her. Yeah. Like, there is no good scenario here. And I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it because she's an evil piece of shit in this movie and did try to kill his wife. But, like, is this what the Gotham Police Department lets happen? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Go ahead and kill her, buddy. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> just then, like, yeah, that's fine. Just put him in a cell with his entire fucking freeze costume on, where he so he could just fucking separate her head from her body. <laughs> just the one clean sweep. Woo. So yeah, then we get we, we we got the happy scene. Alfred's better. Everybody's all good. And then movie ends. You get the same scene that's just like at the end. A fucking Batman Forever. Batman and Robin and now Batgirl running in the shadows. And then it plays the Smashing Pumpkins. Yep, that's the movie. It I, was I suppose it's a movie. Oh my god. What a legendary shit film. It's honestly incredible. <laughs> I, I just... Ugh. So, uh, this film made, made, made a bit less... Than the previous Batman films, making 238.2 million. Uh, I believe Forever made about 100 million more than that. And uh, anyway, it faced stiff box office competition, is part of the reason why. The same weekend, Disney's Hercules came out. Ooh. Men in Black came out. Ooh. And Face Off Jesus <laughs> came Christ. out. That's a stacked year, man. Honestly, looking at those three movies, and this one, this is the worst of the four. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. But still, $230 million would have been great if the budget hadn't reportedly ballooned from $106 million to $225 million. How the fuck? They spent a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> to get it done on time. And they were so sure of their investment because Forever made like 370 and uh, fucking Batman 89 made fucking 400 million. They were right. sure it was going to be a hit. But like as soon as those photos of the nipple suits leaked and as soon as people saw trailers, they were like, oh, this is going to be fucking dog shit unless people went. Uh, also, critics... Poor Batman and Robin to shreds. Yes. This movie's got an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Um, the film's negative reception even led to a delay of the far fucking superior uh, animated direct-to-video film, Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. Uh, with WB scared that the film would turn people away after they had just seen Batman and Robin. Like, this film really, truly fucked up Mr. Freeze's reputation as a Batman villain for like a decade. Yeah. Like it honestly wasn't until the fucking like Arkham City boss fight that people could view him as more serious. Took fucking forever. Right. I'm sure there were good comic stories and whatnot, but like, man, nobody gave a shit about Mr. Freeze because no, he was just like they? a meme in this movie. Right. But that was, but it like honestly tarnished Batman's legacy as a whole because it took them forever to come out with another especially Batman in movie like, in general. Yeah, especially for a film, it was really, really bad for that. Yeah, and I remember, like, cause we were, I mean, we were like in high school by the time Batman Begins came out. Yes, and 
I, I just remember like yeah, well, not maybe just about. I think that was like 2003 or five. It's like 2005, I think. Okay. Or 2004, or something like that, around that range. I was in like school of like 2007, so like maybe it's still middle school for yeah. me at this point. But still, like I was at that point when it was coming out, I was really cognizant of like Batman's weird absence from the media, and I, yes. and I also knew it was because of Batman and Robin. I mean, yeah. Uh, the film's legacy as a terrible film would later be acknowledged by those that worked on it. Uh, Clooney stated, I think we may have killed the franchise and called the film a waste of money. Uh, Schumacher apologized for the film in a documentary for the film's DVD release. Quote, if there's anybody watching this that, let's say, loved Batman forever and went into Batman and Robin with great anticipation, if I've disappointed them in any way, then I really want to apologize because it wasn't my intention. My intention was just to entertain them. Uh, Kevin Feige, one of the, you know, key driving forces, the key driving force behind the MCU, modern day, most successful comic book movies of all time, uh, once said this about Batman and Robin, that may be the most important comic book movie ever made. It was so bad <laughs> that it demanded a new way of doing things. It created the opportunity to do X-Men and Spider-Man adaptations that respected the source material and adaptations that were not campy. And he's right. In a weird roundabout way, it being so fucking legendarily terrible changed how comic book movies work. Yeah. In general. It's a big break from for a long time because uh we had, I think we just had to get out of the 90s, bud. For fucking sure. We needed to get out of the 90s. Now, they didn't know that yet, though. Because before, you know, God, they were fucking, this is the fourth one. They were sure the fifth one's going to be a hit. And they were already working on it before Batman and Robin came out. Uh, You know, because... That's going to be a hit. They wasted no time in hiring Schumacher to direct once again. Uh, the early script was titled Batman Unchained. I see it uh, cited as Batman Triumphant a lot, but apparently that's just false. It was always called Batman Unchained, which is a weird title. Yeah, Unchained from right. what? Right. Reality <laughs> uh, would see Coolio playing the Scarecrow, although possibly they were also considering Nicolas Cage, which would have been fucking insane but uh with his fear toxin haunting batman with the return of the joker and jack nicholson was possibly going to return to play the role once more harley quinn was set to appear as well uh altered to be the daughter of the joker which is weird uh plans were altered can you guess why? Oh, because Batman and Robin came out. That's why. Uh, so WB instead considered an adaptation of Batman Year One. Schumacher, who had had the same idea back before directing Batman Forever, wanted to helm the movie as a way to apologize to the fans, saying he felt he, quote, owed Batman culture a real Batman movie. But the studio was interested in... Darren Aronofsky, of all people. Oh, what the fuck? Who back then had just made the film Pie. Uh, this didn't work out. 
And Aronofsky would go on to make Requiem for a Dream, The Wrestler, Black Swan, and Noah. <laughs> you know, these artsy films like Noah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, eventually WB would get their Batman reboot origin film made with Batman Begins, but it would take almost a fucking decade of development hell to get it to that point. And we'll pick up that in a couple weeks with Batman Begins. But first, we have to watch possibly an even worse movie than this, and that's fucking Halle Berry in Catwoman. I, I can't even believe... Like, because clearly this is at the bottom of what we have so far. Oh, easy. Um, I think, honestly, I somewhat enjoy it more than forever. I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like it's so fucking funny. Yeah, I agree. And terribly made that I can't help but enjoy it more. Yeah. But it is a worse movie. Right. I feel like I give it that with a sense of honor. (laughs) And more than shame. It deserves a low spot. It earns it. (laughs) Right, so let's go over our rankings real quick then. Where we're at right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Mask of the Phantasm at top. Right. Then Batman 66. Fuck yeah, dude. Then Number Batman three, 89. 89. Then Returns, then Forever, then Batman and Robin. Right. That just goes in order. Right. <laughs> yes. They just get worse as they go. That's fine. Uh, so I'm assuming Catwoman will be... Underneath that. Underneath all of that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's possible Batman and Robin might be worse. I've never seen Catwoman. I will give it that benefit of the doubt, but Catwoman. I've heard nothing about it that is good. Catwoman does... Nothing at all that is good. Catwoman does not have the hilarity that Batman and Robin has. You have not seen that basketball scene, sir. No, not to the... That ex- is the funniest shit ever. Not to the extent. I know that much about Catwoman. Oh my god. There's a reason why Batman and Robin is like legendary bad status. Yeah. Where Catwoman isn't. Uh huh. It's one of those bad movies that just got forgotten about. Oh yeah. No one will ever forget this one, for better or worse. Right. And, uh. I guess in some ways, according to somebody like Kevin Feige, like, for better. Which is fun. Yeah. It's a lesson learned. Mm hmm. Which is just very fun. So, well, that's it for us today. We'll be back next week with horse shit. Bye. I, n- here's a real question, real quick oh, okay. for you. All right, all right. Will Catwoman be worse than anything we've ever watched on the Gen and Jub show? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Chief. I believe if it was up to me, the bottom of that list is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Yeah. And maybe like a little bit above it, like a literal like millimeter above it, is Aliens versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> right. Will it be worse than those? I don't know. I could. I, I think you can see in Catwoman. <laughs> so, but do you want to? <laughs> that's an even better question. We'll find out next week. Later, nerds. Bye bye.